Hello, and welcome to episode 212 of Flicks in the Six, a definitely weekly podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Anthony Costanzo, with me forever and always, the man, the myth, the trash panda, Alessandro Bielsi. Say hello, Al. Meal fit for a king. Meal <laughs> fit for a king. Meal fit for a king. <laughs> also joining us for the first time, he's new to the show, but an honorary spin tune already, Nelson Singh. Say hello, Nelson. Hello, hello. Oh, he's echoing again. Does that echo? (laughs) (laughs) On this week's episode, we've got the killer killers of the flower moon. Plural. Killers of the flower moon. There's more than one. We've got the end of succession, Jedi survivor, and other consumption along the way. All before diving into our flick of the week, Guardians of the Galaxy, Volume Three. But first, Al, what are we drinking? We are drinking Treehouse Cranberry Tart. Uh, obviously, this has become one of our favorites as well. The first the beer you chose. Yeah, this is definitely the first one I chose tonight. Um, and that's okay, um, because it's a professional outfit. Uh, it's the Cranberry Tart. Uh, it's a tart wheat ale brewed with orange puree and heirloom house cranberries from Stonebridge Farm in the Cushnet, Massachusetts. Pouring a brilliant pink color in the glass, it carries delicious notes of tart cranberry, sweet orange marmalade, and tangy cranberry lemonade. Oh my it goodness, is... you're saying all the right words, except for pink. <laughs> it's not pink, but go on. Uh, it's like rosé colored. I'm colorblind, kid. <laughs> uh, it is soft, effervescent, and easy to drink, pairing beautifully with your favorite foods of the holiday season. Enjoy. When is this from? <laughs> we haven't recorded like half of the last year, man. It's not yeah, but is it... But is it the past holiday season or the one before that? Hopefully it doesn't say. Uh, it's a tart wheat ale. It's one pint, which we love. It is 5% alcohol by volume. Uh, it was brewed in Charlton, Massachusetts. Excellent. Always always a show favorite, this brewery. I'm, I'm looking forward to trying this one. Uh, can art, beautiful, as always. Yes. Very matte, um, lovely, fruits. love the cranberries, love the oranges, all things that I want in this beer. So I on the, on the bottom on the bottom of the can definitely don't look for the date because it's definitely oh not God. there. Um, but it does say mm, tart. It does. It. Does. <laughs> <laughs> oh wait, so it's not so bad, right? I I just want to go on the record. I bought this fresh. Right? Is that? Yeah. Wait, is that eleven twenty two? No, it's uh, the year. 22,755 is... Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. January 11th of, you know, 20,000 years from now. Sure. Perfect. All right. Let's give it a go. <laughs> Cheers. I never had a future beer. Mmm. <laughs> tart. Yeah. <laughs> That's nice. That's refreshing. Yeah, I'm going to say, actually, I don't think this is really a holiday type of beer. This is like a... This is, like, perfect for now. This is something I would want yeah. refreshingly... Yeah. My spring day. I would have to. I would have to agree with that. Uh, it doesn't. It doesn't taste like beer at all to me. <laughs> no, it uh, tastes like some sort of cranberry juice cocktail mixed with like champagne. Yeah, so I was getting mm. a champagne note out of it. Yeah, have you ever had? Yeah. Have you ever had like champagne or prosecco with Chambord? Yes, French seventy-five. Is that a thing? Is that how that is that that drink that. It's a related drink, but not the same drink. Okay. So French 75 has, like, liquor in it. Yeah, that's the one I had. <laughs> <laughs> no, sometimes it's an alternative to a mimosa or a bellini. You'll get, hmm. 
you usually you pour because the chambord is a little bit syrupy. You pour that in to like coat the glass, and then you pour ice cold prosecco or champagne on top, and it gives it a nice little fruity character to sounds good. The actual sparkling wine, so it's kind of like that. But instead, I'm of all about raspberry, the, that raspberry, that raspberry flavor. Yeah. <laughs> instead of raspberry cranberry juice cocktail. In this Here's case. a question: What what's what's the deal with like seriously? Blue raspberry? What's that about? I mean, as a kid, always enjoyed the blue raspberry stuff, but never questioned it until recently when it came up and I saw an ice pop that said blue raspberry. I was like, wait, but that's not a thing, though. So what is this? I mean, blue and lobsters are a thing. How did we get so. here? What? <laughs> I said blue lobsters are a thing. Didn't have them? <laughs> Do they taste like blue raspberries? <laughs> That'd be alarming. No, they're just lobsters that are fed exclusively on a blue raspberry diet. <laughs> <laughs> but seriously, blue raspberries? I mean, no, they're not real. Yeah, what is that? Any, any? It's just, hey, it's okay. just raspberry. Hey, first hand of the day. Let's find out where that came from because I'm real curious. <laughs> I'm assuming that there was just some candy or drink company like 70 years ago that were like, all of our things are just red, so let's give you a new flavor, but blue. <laughs> I love blue flavor. Uh. <laughs> I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go down this rabbit hole while we talk a little bit further. So I'm gonna let you guys lead with this. But where do we stand vis-a-vis the thuckles on this? I don't know how to rate this one because it doesn't. I feel like it can't be compared against other beers because it's not one. I mean, it's a sour beer. You know, sometimes the rules aren't the same for yeah. sour beers. Yeah, I guess that's, it's that's quite fair. refreshing. I do agree with your idea. That's like more of like a prosecco base, like cocktail for like brunch. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I could see that. This would be this would be great on like a sunny and sixty five degree day, sitting outside, just in the Adirondack chair. Yeah, absolutely. No, somebody's playing cornhole in the distance. How would you rate this vis a vis the Thuckles? One ten. I'd probably give this a a good six and a half. Six and a half thuckles. I got to do thuckle math. Hang on. (laughs) Six and a half thuckles. Wait, six and a half out of ten. It's okay. We're in a lot of an. We're in a big inflationary period, so I think you're allowed to go past four thuckles. So typically, you know, Anthony didn't like the half scale or half thumb thing. So it was always he's like half two thumbs up, two thumbs down. You know, and all points in between. And I finally broke him down. He said, "Fine, we'll just do." One knuckle of thumb, one thuckle would be a half. So the maximum is four thuckles <laughs> in any direction, up. whether it be up or down. Yeah. <laughs> so um, you're going to have to pick a number from negative four to positive four th- thuckles. One. One thuckle. One thuckle. Okay. Okay. One thuckle. Okay. So just, just trending up. I'm going to go Up from thuckles. the Zangief. Just, just a little. <laughs> up, up just a little. <laughs> Uh, I'm going to go, I would go, I'm torn between Dos and Tris Thuckles. Al, where are oh, you at? I'm going to go two Thuckles for sure. Two Thuckles. All right. Two Thuckles feels right. Um, I, I will say it is decided. <laughs> on, on the sour Thuckle scale, um, I like my sours to be sour. And this is actually a little tame on the sour. Sure. The, the flavor is great, but I would like it to be a little bit more sour, a little more tart. It's no sour monkey, but it's good. Mm-hmm. Speaking yeah. of, that's absolutely going to be beer number two tonight. I found I found oh, nice. one while I was rummaging through the fridge before. <laughs> nice, nice. All right, you ready for this? Yes. Blue raspberry. I've got I've got an answer for you. 
Okay. Oh, nice. All right. Uh, Where, and now, when, well, when I say me, I mean Chad GPT. As an well, before we dive into this, <laughs> yeah, uh, you've have you skimmed through it already or not? No. Okay. I was I was going to ask. Do you think that this immediate rabbit hole tangent will be better or worse? I, I think our gold standard is what's the difference between an orchard and a grove, but. <sighs> <laughs> Oh, we, man. We we're together. never getting to the movie. <laughs> we learned together what the difference was between an orchard and grove. I don't remember if you listened to that episode. It, it was probably a year-ish ago. Give it I don't line. remember, though. What's the okay. difference between an orchard and a grove? Oh, so it came down to specificity. It's one of those things where, like, a grove is a subcategory of orchard. An orchard requires that everything growing in it be oh. of the same variety of, whether it be apples or whatever, whereas a grove can be... You could have peaches, you could have apples, you could have pears, you could have all of those lemons in there. Wait, versus... so all orchards are groves? Yes, I think. But not all good. groves are orchards. It's like fingers I'm, and thumbs. I'm pretty sure that's where we settled. Okay. Vis-a-vis orchard versus grove. It's like why being a vowel. It's it's like it's like how dolphins. I, are... I don't even know how to unpack that one in relation to this. <laughs> I feel like that's its own thing. Um, <laughs> It's like how dolphins are whales, but whales aren't dolphins. Okay. Hang on, hang on. I think I can get behind this why thing. Are all <laughs> are <laughs> are all gro- groves are orchards sometimes. Yes. Like the why. Much like the why. <laughs> Whys are like groves, I think is what you're going for. Got it. Yes. All right. Cool. Uh Blue raspberry is a flavor commonly used in various food and drink products, especially candies, beverages, blah, blah, blah. The origin of the blue raspberry flavor are a bit unclear, but it is believed to have been developed by the food industry in the mid-20th century. Fuckers. Raspberry flavors have been popular for a long time, but the artificial blue color was added to create a visually striking and unique product. I fucking nailed it! I think so. Okay, so really what it comes down to is like, well, we already have cherry... That's going to be confusing. Yes. So we need to pick something else. No, this is a real thing. Right. Like It's like, oh, yeah, we have cherry juice and we have strawberry juice. Or we have cherry candy. We have strawberry candy. They're both red. We don't need a third red. We need a blue. Now, here's where here's where ChatGPT gets a little confused. <laughs> Ready? The specific reason for choosing the color blue is not entirely clear either, but it is speculated that the aim was to differentiate it from other fruit flavors, especially red raspberry. No. Strawberry. <laughs> it is red raspberry. <laughs> so it's, <laughs> hang on there on that one. Strawberry or cherry. Now that's fair. Uh, except strawberry's already strawberry's got the market on pink. Cherry's got the market on red. I could see where it gets a little bit confusing. What if raspberry? But blue. What I don't there's what I've noticed recently is that raspberry like raspberry ice cream is purple around yes. here. So like must, Did we just decide to, to drift into purple territory? I think they just maybe gave it a drop of blue because they thought it would be just too a touch. Much. It was it was red naturally. Yes, and they added the blue dye purple. Blue. I suspect that. I I, I I know colors. <laughs> All right, uh, <laughs> sweet. No, he's, uh, he's going to work on shapes and numbers later this that's week. That's next. That's next. <laughs> oh my goodness! Well, that was a, that was a blast. Fun tangent. I think it's. I think. Without further ado, we should probably get into some news and nuggets. Yeah. Um, I, as far as news goes, the only actual news 
was this The Killers of the Flower Moon, which for some reason I'm having a very hard time remembering. If you've noticed, I've had to go back to my notes every time I've said it. So I was kind of hoping that every successive time you would put the plurality <laughs> in a different... Killer word. of the Flower Moons. <laughs> well, I was really hoping for a Killer of the Flowers Moon. Yeah, but, uh... <laughs> sure. <laughs> spiders, man. Exactly. Assorted Spiders, man. I heard I that there was, a, there was a good one today. I was listening to the uh, the Dan Levitard show, and they are talking about Jeff Van Gundy and Stan Van Gundy, two brothers, both coached in the NBA, both of them on TV now. And they were talking about the Van Gundys, and someone asked, are they the Van Gundys or are they the Vans Gundy? <laughs> <laughs> they get it. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, tell me about this movie. I know nothing of it. So you didn't watch the trailer before? I, I walked away before. I couldn't remember if you watched it. No. Nelson, you watched the trailer I, I watched before the trailer. we started. Why don't you start us off? I'm very intrigued. Again, it's been, um, if you remember the trailer at all, it's Marcus Casey, of course. De Niro's in it. DiCaprio's in it. Another great cast. We have, um, I forgot his name already. Um, Brent Fraser's in it. Oh! Um, the guy. Oh! Yeah. <laughs> Wonderful. My it's man. Part the, it's part of the Fraser songs? The, the... Yeah, the Fraser comeback tour. Nice. <laughs> um, it's very intriguing. Um, I don't want to spoil too much on the premise, but... Um, well, we can talk about anything that's included in the trailer. The trailer's out. The movie technically has been shown at con, so... Oh, okay. Um, eventually, it'll be available for public consumption, I guess. But, um, like, reviews are out because people have seen it because since it was shown. It's supposed to come out in October, which is a good time of year because it's kind of leading into the Dune territory, kind of going to be one of its main competitors at the time, I'm assuming. I think Dune is October. Yeah, uh, it's either end of October or beginning of November. I know we and, talked about it not that long. And this is coming out like October 20th, so it's around okay. that exact time. Um, I'm assuming the length of it is going to be quite long, just given the trailer and how much... Three hours and 26 in. minutes. Oh, wow. Oh. Get yourself an editor. He had one for a long time. They did great work together. I'm not one to complain about a long movie. I think that sometimes your script warrants that. I think sometimes Sometimes. you make the Titanic. (laughs) And sometimes you're just making a movie that's too long. (laughs) Like, And I'm, I'm concerned. We saw the last one, right? Concerning. Too long. Did you watch The Irishman? Of course, yeah. It was. What did you think about it? Um, on scale of one to ten, I gave it a seven. Okay, so higher than us. Right. Me because I I really liked De Niro. I did not like the aging. It was quite long. But this is based on a book. Yeah, Killer, Killer, Flower, Flower Moon. Killer yeah, Killer of the Flower, uh, Killer of the Flower Moon. <laughs> but there's a, there's a <laughs> whole <laughs> there somewhere. Is it <laughs> flowers or killers? We don't know yet. But there's a whole Oscars category for adapting the screenplay. Can you make so, all like, the plural? There is an art there. And three hours and 26 minutes is not that art. Um, I don't know. I didn't read the book, so I don't know. I don't know mm-hmm. how it's going to play as an adaptation. Um, right. And, you know, whatever. But, it, I mean, it, it could I'm be a long ass. It. Yeah, it could be a long ass <laughs> book and it could require a three and a half hour movie. Like, it I don't want to. I don't want to prejudge just based on length. Because sure. uh, I didn't prejudge the Irishman. I did kind of go. Huh, that seems like excessive. You're not, but that's but, the thing. We're not prejudging this based on length. We're prejudging it based on the length of the Irishman. Yeah, but you know what? Even there, I'm going to be willing to be to be fair. He's made other long movies before, mm-hmm. and it's justified the length. That one didn't. It was also the most dramatic example 
of abusing the length of the movie. So it was also the one that like they made a big deal of the fact that it was the first time he didn't work that with that editor in like yeah. 30 years or whatever it was. And so. it shows. Is he back? Is the editor back? I believe it was a woman and I have no idea. Uh, I, hope, but e- I, hope, e- I hope she's back. Either way. Uh, <laughs> she the, needs the, to be back. Please come back. I beg of you. <laughs> the trailer is interesting. I, I think it was, a, a, if I remember, because I, I watched it whenever it was last week or the week before, so I'm a little hazy on the details. But I think the, the gist of it was uh, there's a specific tribe of Native Americans that were being particularly persecuted in that area at that time. Osage. Yeah, the Osage. Osage. And um, yeah, it looks like it's going to be a whole battle around that treatment of them at that time and the uh, the general sentiment towards those people at that time. So uh, I'm sure it'll be an, an interesting uh, study on all of those uh, complexities of uh, how people treated each other back then, which, you know, generally speaking, wasn't great. So. Uh, that should be interesting. Sure. Yeah, I I'm I'm down. I mean, just the plot alone, it seems interesting. Um, is this the first interested? So. Considering De Niro was Mark Scorsese's first Muse, and DiCaprio is his more recent one, this is the first time they have both been in one together, right? I was saying the same thing. I don't think I can remember something off the top of my head. I'm pretty sure this is the first time the two of them have been in a Scorsese movie at the same time, right? I should know that off the top of my head, but it feels right. It does. Yeah. Cool. That's fun. Yeah. Is this... Yeah. Interesting. Well, anyway, I'm down. I'm down. Down for this. Did the trailer... Why why are you bringing this up right now? Did the trailer just come out, or did the movie just release? Well, Com was the the other day, and the trailer... And that's where it was aired? Yeah, and the trailer was released, like, a few days before that, or something like that. Cool. It's been within the past week or so. Uh, also, corollary to that total separate note, but Scorsese apparently was in the Vatican recently and met the Pope and said he's going to make a movie about Jesus, so that'll be interesting, too. Sure. <laughs> I mean, I know you already made The Last Temptation of Christ, which I never saw, but I guess this is going to be I feel a like... different one than that, obviously, so. I feel like I've seen that. What's the one where Jesus doesn't blink the entire runtime? Uh, I don't I don't know. <laughs> The, the, he made the one with Willem Dafoe when Willem Dafoe played Jesus. Right, right. Just Jesus of Nazareth is what I'm thinking of. That was uh, it. Was, I think oh, it was like okay. a made-for-TV limited uh, series oh, wait. type thing. You, yes, no, we have talked about this before on the show. That's yep. right. Now that you've yeah. said it, was it... Who was it? Was it... It wasn't Charlton Heston. That was... Uh, no, was it Max von Sydow? Mm, who was it? I'm looking it up right now. We did talk about this. We like, definitely did. Probably six months ago or something like it that. It was... Robert Powell. Wait, are you asking who played Jesus? Yeah. Yeah. Robert Powell. Then why did we talk about that one? The, I probably brought up the blinking thing. Probably. It's 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 one of those phenomenons that I'm just like, this is really, I mean, like, it's incredibly long. And there is I, not a blink I mean, to be had. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure the movie wasn't a one I'm sure he blinked in between shots and all that. You don't know. <laughs> What if that was a cho- an artistic choice? Like I'm gonna li- <laughs> like like a Daniel Day Lewis. Like I am Jesus for the time being, and in my mind, Jesus doesn't blink. <laughs> he can. He's got to watch you all the time. <laughs> Sorry, I know Nelson hasn't watched Ted Lasso, so we're not going to be able to really talk about that too much later. Mm. But um, and actually, I didn't, unfortunately I didn't get to watch the whole finale. I got the oh. very late tonight. I watched the first like 20 minutes. It was like an hour and 20 minutes long. Sure. Um, Short finale. Yeah. Um, but last week's episode, the penultimate episode, Whew. 
the scene Fire. at the end with Beard and Nate. Oh. Beard does not blink the whole scene. No, he doesn't. And it's and, like they do a close up on his eyes too. Like he yeah. it does not blink. Yeah. And it's an incredible it's an incredible scene for so many reasons, but yes, that's very captivating. Yes, but it was also, very you definitely think to Beard's going to kill somebody in that scene. Well, he reveals that he went to prison, which yep. is the first time we've heard that. So <laughs> it's great. You should I watch love that show. Time. I really want to get into it, which actually bridges to another point or back to our original point. Um, I'm not going to go watch um, Killers of the Flower Moon in theaters. I'm not taking a seat for three and a half hours. By June sure. year, it's getting released on Apple TV. Ah, clutch. So, I mean, he did ties into Ted Lasso. He it. did. He did. Let's see what you did. The there. Irishman for Netflix, right? So, I mean, would, would you guys watch that in theaters? I would, but I would. Rec- I would hope that at that length, they do a fifteen-minute intermission. I'm gonna have to pee, and I, <laughs> I, I hate having to stand up and run out and like hope that I'm not run. I mean, granted, I'm, you know, there's like the Run P app, which is pretty great that lets you know when there's a safe time to run out to go. I've heard but of things like it. I, I'm not gonna. I don't look at my phone. I'm adamant about that, yes. and um, Al knows uh, he's the worst. Uh, but <laughs> I don't do it that often. Once, once is too much. I mean, that's draconian, even. Um, I don't know if you listened to you. Um, you probably didn't catch our uh, episode on the Irishman. Uh, I got anxiety during that movie because. I thought it was almost over and there was still like an hour 45 <laughs> and I was like, Oh Jesus Christ. I thought that I was like that 80% of the way done with the movie. And I'm like 60% of the way done with yeah. the movie. Have, have yeah. you rewatched it? No, I will never God, watch no. that movie again. I, I actually recently rewatched it and it All felt week? quicker. I, I, I rewatched it on the plane. Well, I guess it doesn't count, but it felt quicker. It didn't feel like it was three hours. It felt it was. It's like, only because the alternative was sitting in silence. And I had a death whole. Too. I had a whole series of articles on how <laughs> watching a movie on a plane increases its score by at least two points. <laughs> That's actually a good point. He did say that. Especially, I think it's probably got to be. It's probably going to be even more drastic when you're rewatching a movie. Hmm. Because it's giving you comfort in the time that you desire it, consciously or subconsciously. True. Ah, interesting. Anyway, any other any other trailers drop recently? Uh, I feel like some stuff has happened. Was super noteworthy that I could think of. I don't know. All right. Well, I think in record time, it's we go into we just move we move right into consumption, which is where we're probably going to be parking it for a minute. Yeah. Um. So it sounds like I got the impression from before the show, that Nelson is also a viewer of Succession? Yeah, he's the only person that, like, I routinely was able to talk about during the final season. Oh, like, with. great! So. That's what, so that's what you went, you went, you gunned for him hard for this episode, then, is what you're telling me. No, he invited himself. He, he told me weeks ago, he's like, I want to do Guardians when you guys Wonderful. do it. I said, all right. It just so happened that it perfect lined up perfectly storm. that it was after the finale of Succession, so. So... Al, I'm going to start with you. It's over. Okay. Yes. What are your thoughts? How do you feel? Uh, it, I mean, it was a spectacular finale. It was a perfect finale for the show. I think coming down the stretch, whether you thought it was going to be some dramatic twist you didn't expect or whether you thought it was going to end whichever way you thought it was going to end, this was the best way to end it because what the show has been about, if you didn't realize it all along, you certainly do now. It's about the fact that 
the three of them are utterly incompetent. And if you didn't get that from all of the actions across the last four episodes, four seasons, and specifically in this last episode, Roman finally said the quiet part out loud. He's the only person with the amount of, it's weird because he's probably been the person who's, I don't want to say lied to himself the most, but uh, has been the hardest in trying to actually face his demons down. But him yeah, at the he, at the end, he saying, is by far the most complicated character on the show in the best way. Yeah, that's probably true. Uh, but he said it. it. It's all bullshit. We are bullshit. Mm-hmm. We we are nothing. It's nothing. He's finally the only person who's come to grips with the fact that none of them can actually do anything. None of them have ever actually done anything. The only other person who's remotely as, and even he's got like big problems with like actually like his ability to not even self-actualize, but like to like come to grips with what he is, is Connor because Connor never wanted power. He knew he wasn't going to get it. Like at least within the company, he, he tried to do his own thing as much of a joke as that was. And even there, it's like, he came to terms pretty early on. I was like, Oh yeah, no, I'm not going to win. It's just about like the conversation or something. Right. But like yeah. <laughs> that, the point was none of them could win. It would have felt wrong for any of them to be on top at the end. It would have felt wrong for the three of them together because they were never able to do anything together for more than four seconds. And if you look at the whole run of the show, there's only one person who's ever been even the most vague remote competent on the show. It's been Dom. And the thing he's most competent at is eating shit, which is what he did his went all the way up to the top. So I thought it was perfect. Yeah, that's fair. That's right, Nelson. What are your what are your feelings? I, I, were you up? Were you like on track with that show weekly for the entire run? Um, I got into the show midway through the second season, so it's cool. been I've been with it for a while, and I I wholeheartedly agree. I absolutely loved the way they ended it. Um, it it was great. I I never do previews or anything like that, so. You know, I've seen some of the previews in previous seasons where you can kind of see what's going to happen, um, especially for this season I did it. And I think Tom coming out on top was probably my favorite idea because earlier in the season, he had one really great line that I think resonates with a lot of people that him and Shiver just going at it. They're yelling. We thought one of them was going to die, maybe jump off that balcony. And he said, I really like nice things. I like money and this is the life <laughs> I like. And he'll do anything to protect it. Yeah. And that's exactly what he's doing. He did that last season when he betrayed Shiv because he knew if you're betting on somebody, you're betting on Logan. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think he did what he needed to do. And it, he's not doing anything different than he's been doing at ATN. Right. He's still going to eat the shit. He's still going to be that guy. Yeah. He still has Greg to do his gregging. Yeah. <laughs> Um, oh my god, he, when he put the sticker on Greg's head, I was like, oh, yes, great. So <laughs> when Greg slapped him, I, I was oh, like, go Greg. Yes. Oh, when both of them slapped each other, I was like, this is the worst, most terrible fight ever, and I was dying laughing. Yeah. And aside from Tom, you know, that's only one of the fights in the show. Well, fights is kind of a loose term. When Roman and Kendor are hugging, that mm. was just excruciating to watch. And seeing Kendall just lose it in that room with Shiv was amazing is probably the best word I can think of it. It was beautiful. And you could see that maybe in that moment, Kendall is 
breaking inside and seeing literally his entire goal since he was seven, like go right through his fingers. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't think anyone could say anything meaner to someone after Tom saying, I think you're someone who shouldn't have children maybe while she is currently pregnant. To be fair, he didn't know that, but still. Um, I didn't think anyone could say anything meaner than that until everything that the three of them said to each other in that room in that final sequence. It it was Mm. pretty dark. It was pretty dark. Because every one of them said something just truly dreadful to or about one of the other people who was in there. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that was... That was... That was rough. That was was rough. It was fun, though, like, to see them flailing about. I love the scenes shot... I love the when they shot those that scene from the outside of the room, and you could like hear like the muffled arguing, and I was just like, look at that, just flailing around in there. It's over. It's over. <laughs> it's great. It's, I also like before the episode start before like just before it started, I was like, I hope it's Tom, and then it, the episode played out, and I went, oh. <laughs> but the long running joke was everyone's like, oh, somehow Greg's gonna be atop the smoking rubble, oh, yeah. and it's like, like that was entertaining to think about for a while, but. He literally can't do anything. Like, the only thing he can do, he doesn't even do as well as someone else on the show, and it suck up like Tom mm. does. Um, he blackmails quite well. No, not even that well, because he immediately gave up the game. He didn't even take the advice from Tom. Let it sit like a fine bottle of wine. He yeah. immediately runs to Kendall, and it's like he's right. It was the silver bullet. He just took it to someone who was going to fire with his eyes shut. Mm-hmm. So. It's not super useful at that point. So, yeah, for a while now, I assumed Tom was going to have a, a chance at this, and he made his he made the ultimate power play. He he is the only person on the show in within the orbit of the family that Logan had even the slightest bit of respect. For. I mean, he didn't he he I, I would say actively disrespected him for a lot of things, but after he committed to going to prison for him. And mm-hmm. then cemented it by betraying his own wife to Logan. I think Logan actually respected him. I don't think he liked him, but I think he respected him in his own little way for very specific reasons. That's why he Logan actually advised him on the divorce lawyer stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he he helped he helped Tom to get through the the divorce, or maybe. You know, he knew that he would poison the water so much that they wouldn't get divorced, and that's what he wanted. I don't know. Yeah. I would like I I I would feel horrible about this if Shiv wasn't the worst character. Um, they all are. They're all the they worst. Are, they, they, no, oh, hang on, people. hang on. They're all terrible. They're all terrible. Who are the top three worst? Nelson, go. Can they all be equal? Can it all be the three? No, kids? you got it. You got to rank them. You got to make the, the hard the, call. So I'll be honest. The top three are. The three kids. <laughs> it, actually, hold on. I'm going to backtrack. I'm going to backtrack. The worst is Kendall. Even though I'll give him... He kind of killed a person. Um, he didn't murder someone. He, he, didn't, did, he, he did kill them. He did stuff that led to their death. Um, I'll put Shiv up there as number two. Just because the things she's done to Tom mm. are awful. The night of their wedding saying you want to open marriage <sighs> is just... <laughs> How do you deal with that? After the vows, not before them. It's ridiculous. Um, yeah, it was, uh, it's actually Roman like it, in their like personal, like, you know, in their actual personal relationship, it's even worse because she knows that he'll eat shit. Yeah. And mm-hmm. she's just like, all right, so I'll do whatever I want. <laughs> Which when you think about it, how it, at, the, at the end, he's like, I have a car waiting for us. And she's like, mm-hmm. 
my car's probably gone now. She's like, fuck off, but then she's in that car. Yeah. Yep. Also, the most uncomfortable hand-holding in the history oh, yeah. of cinema? Of course. Yeah. It's a... Uh... As he puts the hand out, and they don't even, like, clasp hands. She just, like, awkwardly rests it on the heel of his hand, and I was like, ah! Yeah, it's um, horrible. I like the way Roman's arc ended, where he, like he said, you know, at the end, he's... It's all bullshit. We're all bullshit. I'm gonna put Matson up there at three. <laughs> okay. Terrible person. Yeah. He, yeah pretty like, who's pretty rough. blood? To so much blood, too. Like, not PR like once. Person. Like, he, he not only did he not learn his lesson, he doubled, tripled, quadrupled, a hundred folded down on it. He kept doing it over and over again. I mean, he does it right. He Horrible. told Tom, No, I want to sleep with Shiv to his face. And Tom played it right. Well, that that's where he won it. Was when he's like, Yeah, no, it's fine for you to talk about fucking my wife in front of me. Like, he yeah. proved, like, Shiv doesn't realize how firmly she fucked herself by telling Matson, oh, yeah, no, he'll just, he'll suck the biggest dick in the room if, yeah. you know, whatever. And and he's, you can see, like, the recollection, like, you can see, like, the recognition dawn in Matson's, like, eyes. And then they have that conversation, and he's just, like, the whole thing is just to test Tom's resolve. And I don't even think Tom realizes he's acing the test, but he, he, he gets 100. He gets 100 out of 100 points. By being like, oh yeah, no, it's it's fine. Yeah, go ahead. You talk about fucking with my wife all you, all you want. Really, he's like, oh wow, he really will. God, he'll literally take anything. Okay, Pr- brutal. So, uh, okay, so what was it? it was it was Kendall, Shiv, uh, Shiv and then Madsen. All right, Al. It it, it just it depends on the day, <laughs> and that's the whole point of the show. Yeah. Is every that's what I've been advocating on behalf of this whole time that we have talked about sure. around this is like. Every one of them is the worst, depending on what your point of view is on that given day. What's happening in the events of the show? Who does the unspeakable thing to the other one? Who is momentarily sympathetic because the unspeakable thing is done to them? And, like, they somehow don't, like, immediately burst into flames. Like, they find a way to continue, like, breathing after that. Like, no one should be able to go on after some of the things that are done to them. And they Mm -hmm. keep doing it. And then the next episode, that person who you felt, like, a moment's pity for goes on to be the worst person in the world. Like, unfortunately we didn't get a chance to talk about it because we've been recording in a few weeks, but like literally the week after the last time we discussed how you still hold like the slightest candle of sympathy for um, Roman the very next week, he willfully tries to install a Nazi president. <laughs> like he just slips on the glove of Nazism is like, that actually kind of fits nice. <laughs> and it's like, where did that come from? Like, <laughs> This is a person yeah. who, you said is probably the most complex of all of the major characters. Mm-hmm. He is someone who you can feel some real sympathy for, even while being disgusted by him because he is a disgusting person. And then he's just like, eh, Nazism is fine just because it's convenient to me right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's, it's, it's pretty terrible. And then one week uh, later, he, he, he melts and he's just he's weeping in front of everyone about his father. And it's like, yeah, I understand that. I do feel bad for you, you little Nazi shit. <laughs> yeah. But you have to pick so three. Top three. Uh, so the worst person in the show is probably Hugo. Mm. He is, well, sorry. He's certainly the most disgusting person. And that includes Roman, who has jerked off on his window of his office above the city um, and oversaw and did a lot of other disgusting things. But... Like, Hugo makes my skin crawl. I think it's he's hysterical, but he mm-hmm. makes my skin crawl. He's disgusting. 
Um, I'd probably go with him one. I'd probably go... No, sorry. Kendall's the worst because he killed someone. But after Kendall, uh, it's Hugo for sure. Um, And then... Like, I'm not counting Logan because he's dead at the end of the show. Uh, You can count him. Okay. Then, sorry. Then I'm going to go... He's still... He is so... He is still so involved dead. Oh, sure. And I think that's what's so cool about it, the character. So, so then I'm going to go Kendall 1, Logan 2, Hugo 3. Okay. Uh, that's 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 fair. It's, uh, Hugo is definitely a good call. Uh, he is just scum. Yes. Just I love scum. Car- Carolina at the end of the episode, or towards the end, right before the board meeting, when it looks like everything's going a certain way. And... <laughs> She goes to Shiv and says, I'm really looking forward to where this is all going. It's a you know, new fresh start. No more backstabbing. Uh, and also, by the way, as soon as we're done, can we get rid of Hugo? Yeah, <laughs> like, that is great. It's just some hypocrisy. They can't. It's, it's in all their nature. They can't stop. Well, um, they've kind of butted heads a little bit. Well, because they, I was always confused. They basically have the same job. It's just mm-hmm. one of them is supposed to do it the nice way and the other one's supposed to do it the dirty way. Like, they're the angel and the devil on your shoulder basically have the same job. Yeah, I, the way I think it's structured is that she reports to him? I I never understood because they're mm. both basically in charge of PR. But I think mm-hmm. it's literally it's just one of one of them does it with a smile and the other one does it with a knife. With, with a bark. Woof, woof. Woof, woof. That was hysterical. <laughs> he's... he's <laughs> What a creep! <laughs> oh man, yeah, that's I. I have. I mean, I've been toying with this the entire season, so I, my my three are pretty solidly locked at this point because I've been developing it and moving them around episode by episode, and they it's always it's always stayed pretty close. Uh, but it's it's Logan, Shiv, Kendall for me. Okay. Uh, Logan is the like in my opinion is the worst. He is, I mean, like, he's also the driving force behind everybody else being horrible. So he is, like, King Fucko. <laughs> I love and all he, of those different iterations of yeah, all of that. Like, he, it's terrible. It's, it's a shit show at the fuck factory or whatever it is. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And there, and then there's Shiv and Kendall, like, I, I would, I can't, I was, I, they were the ones that I would, they were always in the top three for me, but I would, flip-flop them constantly um where they've given you a lot of detail on kendall similar to they give you enough detail on rome roman to know like there's clearly a there's a lot of trauma involved in his early life there's a lot of like stuff that they're not showing you but they kind of hint at throughout like his horribleness as terrible as it is like not excusable but you kind of like you could see that you could chart the path to how he gets to where he is, and like you'd be like, in some of these situations, you were dealt a really shitty deal, uh, and you did not have the support system to ever possibly be any better. You were just you were going to be horrible, and like there's something about that that I feel like bumps him below the other two siblings. Yeah, up until he decided to steamroll through the Nazi president. Just because it was convenient to him. Yeah, but even that was more about like how he's like it. You know, it's it's not going to change us, so it doesn't matter. And like that is a that which is, is the worst a, and most callous version is. of that. It, it is. It's horrible. 
Well, I, look at look at the two different versions of that within the same grouping, right? Like Kendall was looking for every reason not to do it. And Roman was just like, eh, this is the path of least resistance. Let's do it. But what I think is funny about that is those are like flip sides, right? Because I feel like in every other scenario, Roman is like, does second guess, right? And Kendall is always just terrible. He's just like, no, I'm going to do the thing that makes sense for me. And this was the first and only time, the only time in the entire series that he maybe showed a little bit of interest in something other than himself for a small moment, but not enough, not enough to make a difference, which oh, makes it even terrible. worse. He's still, it's well, even no, worse. It, it, I, I don't know. The point was he still he had made the line. call. He still had a line. Ken well, made the call. Well, he, he, he made the call because he was in that moment personally betrayed. And, you know, sure. I don't. But Kendall made the call. Roman has no power and never did. Well, no, he broke the tie. It was the three of them in that moment were supposed to still be equal. It, it was a tie and Kendall was but, a tiebreaker. But Roman's constantly looking to Kendall to make the call. Roman's never making a call. No, he already had made the call by going on and, and typing in the teleprompter to the other guy. Yeah. The, this is just, he just physically couldn't, it, it's the, the nature of the two in the box system was that they both needed to decide on something like that from like a, like a quote unquote legal standpoint. Sure. Uh, otherwise, they can start suing each other over who's overstepping their power. The two of them needed to be together. Roman was walking right up to that line with everything he did by sending the information out, by going to was it Ravenhead or whatever the fuck his name was. Like, all yeah. that stuff. He crossed, like, he kept walking up to that line where he wasn't actually going to be able to get in trouble for any of the shit he was doing, just trying to force Kendall's hand. Sure. So he kendled for one moment. Wait, what's that? He kendled for a moment. What do you mean? Kendall is worse. He's the one that does that all the time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Also, can we talk about that since we didn't get to talk about that episode? Because that was a pretty spectacular oh, episode. Oh. As d- disgusting as it was. Need but, like four showers. Yeah, no, super gross. But everything with Tom and Greg in that episode was perfect Tom yep. and Greg. Oh my god. The, Greg, I need you to the Greg wasabi for me in today. the eye is the really... wasabi and the lemon oh my god. seltzer. <laughs> it's not <laughs> that lemony. It's a hint of lemon. It's a hint of lemon. It's, it's not that lemony. <laughs> but even my my favorite thing in that whole episode was one of the best lines in the whole season was when he's like the whole thing about doing cocaine, he's like, I, I may need somebody. He's like he's like, no, are you sure? Yeah. He goes, come do, do do it with me. No, I did some last night. I don't want to do it two days in a row. I don't want to get addicted. Yeah. <laughs> and Tom's terrible line about, he goes, it's good for you, Greg. It's good for your brain. The Aztecs did it all the time. Are you calling them stupid? That's racist. <laughs> <laughs> he played the race card to get him to do cocaine. <laughs> oh, it's so ridiculous. What a ridiculous show. I think the execution of that final season altogether was pretty solid, though. Um, it was getting a little stale for me in the in the previous season. Um, but this kind of... I think killing Logan off earlier on to throw everything into chaos for the remainder of the series was a was a power move. And I think also, they, they this whole it. season felt like it took place over the course of a year. It took place it over the course four of like ten days. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's insane. Yeah, that's the, crazy. Uh, the execution on that to feel like you watched a lifetime happen, and it yeah. was like not even two weeks or something like that. It was just incredible. Um, 
Yeah, because a few of those episodes just did day to day to day. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. There was like a three or four episode run in a row where you're literally consecutive days. Can you clarify something for me? Sure. Was Roman saying that Kendall's kids aren't Kendall's kids? Yes. Okay. And Which I don't the remember. First time they're saying something like that. I don't remember honestly. Same. Um, I, I the way I read it is I guess some of his kids are Rava's, some of them are maybe half, but she's well, the bloodline. Well, no, what he was saying was because Kendall, I think, has two kids, and what Roman was saying was that they adopted one, and that the other one, what Ken, what Roman was alleging, was that. They must have done in vitro, and that who knows if it was Kendall's. Oh, okay. Yeah. I believe that's what Roman was getting at there, and that's what, what I was saying earlier. It's like talk about like saying like the worst things you could possibly say to someone about that. Like basically, what we say is like Shiv's the only person who actually has got a chance. I mean, he's you know he's taking himself down too because he like he he literally can't have sex for whatever reason. Like he just has like mm-hmm. his. Re- Pressed trauma and whatever is like he's not capable. He's basically saying, "Yeah, no, I'm like I'm never gonna have kids, and you clearly can't either for different reasons." So Shiv's the only one who actually can carry on Dad's legacy. As much as Kendall tore himself apart in that room, I loved Roman in that room. He was great. Yeah, he was protecting Shiv when Kendall tried to go at her, and just had one of the best lines of saying that we're all bullshit. It's all bullshit. Mm. I, I loved his character arc in that last episode. It was well, very clean, especially the way it started with him at their moms, who just invited yeah. them for just so her oh husband's friend could pitch them. <laughs> I love I love Peter Munyon so much. He had my one of my favorite Peter's lines. Cheese. Peter's cheese. <laughs> so it was so gross. Um, he had one of my favorite lines all season as well, uh, despite the fact that he's only had like twelve lines in the whole show. He's been in like three episodes. Um, when they're at Logan's funeral and he just comes from off screen and goes, don't worry, daddy's here. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> at their father's funeral. They've met him one time before that at his wedding to their mom. <laughs> like they hadn't even met him before that. <laughs> Terrible. <laughs> oh, it's so gross. Oh, there's so much of that show that is so gross. Yes. Painful. Painful. I'm glad I watched it. Um, it's not an easy recommend for me to other folks. Like I definitely like, I have to know their tastes because it's not, it's not, it's not for everybody. The thing is, it is one of the funniest shows I've ever watched. And for the first, probably three quarters of the season, the first season, you don't even realize it's a comedy at that Mm. point. It's one of the blackest comedies I've ever seen in my life because it is super dark and depressing when it needs to be. And even in some of the darkest and most depressing moments, there are still occasionally laughs to be mined. Although of course in the last episode, they really moved away from that for the most part, because at that point it needed to, to end what I, the parallel I would draw is uh, now obviously a longer form version of it, but um, it's, the closest thing to it that I've seen really is the death of Stalin, which is the, the truly the blackest comedy I've ever seen just packed into like an hour 45. Um, yeah. And I think that's a natural comparison because that's Armando Iannucci. He made the, that same HBO sensibility of talking about these bigger things that are 
super serious and super dark and finding a way to laugh at them. And that one too, you're laughing through terrible things happening. And then the final 10 minutes of that movie, you wonder, will you ever be able to laugh again because of how dark it goes? And that's how this show goes as well. They just slowed it down a little bit. I don't know if you've ever seen that movie before. I haven't. I highly recommend it. We watched it. It is 90 minutes of pure comedy. Sorry, 90% pure comedy, and then the final 10% of, like, it's, we're, we're still laughing, right? Right? <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, like, if you never laughed again after watching the last 10 minutes, it's like, oh, yeah, okay, huh. the, I guess this is it for me in my life. But it, wow. what comes before that, it's it's hysterical. It's terrible, but it's hysterical. It's it, it, it's ridiculous. It's, like, it's got, like, the perfect, like, combination of, like, clever humor and slapstick and just it's just and the material that they're working with like the time frame and timeline that they're working in is just like not something that's supposed to be funny which is literally makes it like, hilarious it's literally about the couple of weeks after stalin dies and the power grab of all the terrible people on like the inner circle and how incompetent they all are but also like they're these people are literally like ordering people dead and all that shit like it's yeah, it's 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 just, it's a snapshot of succession. It's great. Yeah, it's really it's really entertaining. Um, a runtime that I can get behind. Sure. <laughs> um, I loved the show. I was a day one when this show first had trailers come out on like HBO or whatever. I was like, I need to see what that's all about. The very first episode was good, but I was like, okay, I'm not exactly sure what the show is going to be. Is this a comedy? Is this a drama? Is it what? I don't know. After like probably the third or fourth episode, I was like, okay, this is something that's going to happen here. Like this is, this is, this is going to be as good as, as I was hoping when I first heard about it. And I loved it from start to finish. I think it ended the perfect amount of time. I'm going to miss it. I'm going to want more, but, anything more they would have done would have probably betrayed what they accomplished to this point. Um, so I, I'm glad that they ended it in the way that they, they did in such a high bar of excellence from, from start to finish. And like, yeah, it's, it's about shitty stuff and shitty people. Like I get it. If like everyone's mileage on that's going to vary, but the writing, the direction, the acting was just so stellar at all points that I, I derived so much enjoyment from watching these terrible people be terrible to each other. That's that's fair. I, yeah, I I'm 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 not in the I I think it was good. I think that the performances are incredible, all of them. Uh, <coughs> I think the writing is cohesive. It's not necessarily something that like material that I'm like super interested in, but they did a good like it's super competent. Like they're doing they were doing it right. Uh, I, I like. I'm glad that I watched it. I'm glad that it's over. <laughs> <laughs> Nelson, well, you... any final thoughts on uh, Succession? Um, I really enjoyed it. It's going to be my top five. I'll be honest. Um, it was great. I love how quickly they ended it. The character depth of these characters was insane. And I relate to what you said earlier. It's like, I wouldn't recommend it to a lot of people <laughs> because it's hard to grasp a lot of that, especially in the first season. It's a lot more stuff going on, a lot more stuff to unpack that they really just like put in your face. Yeah. Like imagine, imagine recommending that show to someone that you barely know. And then they watch it and they're like, what the f- 
<laughs> exactly. Uh, I-, I loved it. I, I love the way it ended. I love the final sequence of the kids. Um, you know, I've touched on it a, b- a bit, but I think Roman's final sequence was just yeah, kind of at peace. And Kendall's was, I don't know, maybe about to jump in the water. <laughs> yeah, I. It was definitely I. I was really, I was watching real close, very similar to when Tom and Shiv went on the balcony. I was like, something about what they're doing right now makes me uncomfortable. And then when Kendall walked over to the elevator, I was like, is he going to hit up or down? Is he going to hit up or down? Is he going to, like, I cause, uh, seriously, like, don't know where his character's going in that moment. Um, yeah, it's, it's heavy stuff. Well, I think there's always been uh, an association with him with, like, the water, you know, him almost drowning in the car crash and almost drowning in the pool. Yep. There was a one time that he takes like a celebratory swim, right? Where it's like, he's actually swimming in a positive way. Um, and then there's them swimming in that episode together where he yeah. thinks he's on top of the world and he's literally r- resting on a raft. Like you cannot be safer than what he was in the water and to follow it with him walking, looking like he wants something more than to actively drown himself in. Yeah in the water there you know it's just it was a continuing um he's constantly drowning under the weight and pressure of his father it's absolutely i mean it's written it might as well be stamped on his forehead yes (laughs) he has a wave (laughs) tattoo on his left bicep (laughs) (laughs) i will uh so occasionally i will slip into a kendall impression um for all of the just like for very stupid decisions that need to be made like like what we're gonna eat like we'll be hungry and it'll be late, and I haven't cooked. I'll be like, pizza? Should we do pizza? Let's just fuck it. Fuck it, right? Let's look at pizza. And <laughs> it's, and I realized in doing that how many lines of dialogue in that show mean nothing. There's so many times they're talk, they're not saying anything, but it sounds like they're saying something important, but they're saying nothing. Yes. And, <laughs> and it drives me up a wall. But it's incredible because that's yeah. how people like that all. Yeah. That's also, that's shit that drives me crazy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And well, I do, I do wonder if that's uh-huh. one of those times where she couldn't quite suppress the Australian accent. Yeah. I, want, I wonder sometimes. Um, it's funny. I was watching last night. Um, I was watching the finale last night, and um, my parents had been out on like a walk or whatever, and I was I was watching, and uh, she came in. My mom came in while I was watching. I forget which scene it was. It was one of the scenes where Kendall was really like, I, I don't know if it was in the boardroom or if it was before that when he was trying to convince them. Uh, the the siblings, and you know, Kendall does a thing where he says, "You know, he's making a point." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. You make, he's, mm-hmm. I'm making a point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She's like, "Why does he say that?" I said, "It's just a verbal crutch." She's like, "Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah." It's terrible because all of them had their thing. I also realized after, and it's definitely been something they've gone through the whole show with, but I noticed in particular in the last few episodes. Uh, I want to start incorporating when someone does a poor job or screws something up. Not just saying you fucked up, but saying you fucked it. Yeah. I've, I've, I've really grown to appreciate that. Like, you know, Ken was going after Roman last week when he says, uh, yeah, Rome, Rome, you, you fucked it. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You fucked it. Yeah. Like, it's just, it's fucked. You fucked it. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> like a 20 minute sequence of him saying that over and over again. Oh God. It's too much. Uh, yeah, so Kendall says, yeah, 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 a lot. Uh, Shiv says, mm-hmm, and 
Yeah. In a really annoying way. Logan was the uh-huh, which would just drive <laughs> me up a wall. And also the Roman the great- touches his face a lot. <laughs> and yeah. like a lot. <laughs> I also always like the Tom, I'm uncomfortable. I desperately want to scream no, but I can't say no. He goes, ha. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> oh my goodness. That show. That show was something. Greg has one. He just, um, between every single yep. Um, well, um, I'm not sure if, um, I can go and, um, do that. <laughs> the way Greg- that he, like, asks everything is a question. Everything. Yes. All statements. Ugh. Well, Greg was an incredible character for, well, for one particular reason in the show. He's one of the very few characters who got an arc. Because... Mm. What do you think about it when, from start to finish of the show, Kendall, Shiv, and Rome did not change at all in any way, shape, or form. This show has never been about their personal growth. It's been about revealing that these characters are incapable of growth at this point in their life, that they're just these terrible people who are going to continue to be self-sabotaging and self-defeating. Tom and Greg get character development over the course of the show um, in two different ways. I, I think Tom, it's more about revealing his character over the course of it. And with Greg, it was more about how like early on the show, he's like pretty much the only character you could root for. Like he wasn't terrible early on. He's just a guy, kind of a dope, but just a guy. And by the end of it, he is a, just a terror, just as toxic and terrible as any of them really. Um, except maybe more soulless. He like doesn't actually have a single thought about a single person other than himself by the end of the show. And, you know, I think it was just meant to show, like, it's, you know, no matter what stage of your life that you join this enterprise, if you become associated with this, you will lose your soul. You will be destroyed. You will be ground down and spit out by this machine. Mm-hmm. It happened to the three kids. And the, the control group in this scientific experiment is Connor. He never wanted to be a part of it. And that's why he's the most, I guess, emotionally healthy of all of them the least terrible of all of them. I mean, he's a total dweeb. He's totally out of touch with society and the world, but he does not do one one hundredth of the disgusting things that any of the other people do. No, no. There has to be behind the scenes. Cause Mm. I think Connor's a little messed up as well. It's just, Oh, he is. It's just, he's so much older that you haven't seen that arc of his. He, he is just as messed up as any of them, but the point is, he's the only person who doesn't use that as an excuse to be terrible to other people. So, right. He's a nice He's guy. just an idiot. Yes, that's what I'm yeah, saying. Like, yeah. He is just as damaged as them, but he doesn't choose to manifest it in a way that is actively harmful to other people. Mm-hmm. In the way that all the other people do. And it's because he never had the desire to climb the way the rest of them did. I mean, he had like one throwaway line to Logan about like, in like the second season, like, well, I'm I'm your oldest son. Why not? Why not me? And he's just like, Logan kind of used the kid gloves that he the Connor's the only person that Logan ever used a kid glove. Mm-hmm. True for whatever reason, which is funny considering he treated him the least like his son in all of, of all of them in the whole run of the time. And like that's the only time Connor ever says anything about it. And like that that's it. It's done because he was he wasn't even serious about it. And even yeah. saying it, he wasn't serious. Yeah, well, that's a good point. It brings us to that video 
that yeah. they all watch together, where Logan is so different than we've ever seen him. It's the rat fuckers and, and his one son that he could stand looking at. Yep. Oh, man. Also, I, I really liked the impressions that they did of him, specifically Connors, but yeah. like the impressions of Logan. <laughs> that was good. Uh, what an interesting show. All right. Well, Succession is over, and that is behind us. Moving into some other consumption, what have what have y'all been consuming? Al? Al? Oh. oh. Al. I was going to say, Al, why don't you go first and, and lay the groundwork? Okay. Yeah. Uh, so, well, here's a fun one. Um, so, Nelson, Anthony recommended a movie to me a few years ago. It was not a movie that he was like, this is the most amazing thing ever. You have to watch it. It's part of why it stuck out to me, because I was familiar with the movie when he recommended it. It was not something that I felt a desperate desire to watch. And Anthony was like, oh, yeah, watch it. it it's, it's interesting. It's an experience. So, okay, why not? That was like three years ago, four years ago. And so I finally got around to it last week. I was like, oh, what do I want to watch? I have a little bit of free time. Let me kind of go through the back catalog that I kind of keep in the mind, mind all the time of movies that like, yeah, I'd like to get around to that one of these days. Anthony, can you guess what that movie was? I'm, I'm really racking my brain. My memory is is like non-existent <laughs> at this point, so it's okay. I was wondering if the way that I was kind of curiously, I, I, I like, I feel like I can like vaguely remember like this type of conversation, but I also feel like we've probably had it a million times, so I don't. Oh, know. Oh, sure. So, well, as soon as I say it, you're gonna be like, oh. Uh, so I watched last week a simple favor. Hang on one second. <laughs> one second. I need. I gotta. I gotta re- even remember what the movie is. I know I, the name is familiar. Okay, because I thought as soon as I said it, you were gonna be like, "Oh, yeah." I, I, I think it'll come. It'll come flooding back. I do. So, uh, quick tangent. The other day, I have a shoebox under my bed. Well, that is now a bigger box. It moved everything into a bigger box of movie stubs. Just tons oh, nice. and tons of movie stubs, and I like it spilled, and I was like putting some of them back in, and I was like, "What is this movie?" <laughs> Uh, for a few of them, a simple. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah, no, this, this, this is good. This is a good movie. It's fine. Anthony, what the fuck was that movie? Yeah. Uh... <laughs> Were you not engaged the entire time? Were I was wondering where it was going, what was happening. It's a yeah. yeah. I I was for it's sure an attention grabber for sure. I was for sure entertained and intrigued by the movie. I. Don't know whether I can say reliably that it was a good movie or even a bad movie. No, I man. don't know that I can even necessarily 100% say whether I liked or disliked the movie. I certainly experienced the movie. You're not, you're not mad you watched it? No, that yeah. I, not even a little bit. Uh, it was just while I was watching it, and then especially after I was done watching it, I was like, how did this movie get made? <laughs> it's uh, It's bizarre. It is. It's in a. It is a unique movie. I think that's the yeah. best w- best word to describe it. Really. I think. Uh, do you know who directed it? I sh- I'm sure I must have seen it when I looked it up, but I don't remember. Uh, Paul Feig. Oh yeah, that's right. So that's a which is like, if if ever there was a wild card, <laughs> it's this guy. <laughs> he's got a weird catalog, right? Yeah, he's all over the place. Yeah. No, yeah, so do you know this movie I'm talking about? I know I thought it what it was. It was the Anna Kendrick movie. Yes. And I quickly looked it up and I was right. 
I remember seeing trailers and I was like, this is not a movie for me. That's what I thought. Well, not necessarily that's what I thought, but I remember seeing the trailers too and I'm being like, is this supposed to be like a sexy, taut thriller or is it a comedy or is it going to be like a slasher? I remember watching the trailer and being like, I have no idea what this is trying to communicate to me exactly. I all I remember so when I pulled it up and I, I and it, it started, some of it started flooding back and I definitely I don't remember the entire plot I don't remember even where it oh, goes good luck. by the end good, good but luck remembering the what I do plot. remember is that it's a lot of uh, definitely being in the wrong situation like all of the time I'm pretty sure Anna Kendrick is constantly in a bad situation like like fum- like fumbling and stumbling into one like the entire movie if I recall correctly like. Always, up until the point that it she always looks bad. Up until the point that she starts accidentally stumbling into the right situation every time. Right. Yeah. 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 It, it, uh, for for the longest time, it always looks bad. I remember that, and I also remember uh, how to make a martini. Yes, those were the only two takeaways I had. But yeah. I, 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 it was one of those movies. Where, like, yeah, like I don't, I don't recall the movie. I don't recall, but I, I'm not upset. I watched it. I was I have in a pain th- for the viewing period of the movie. I had those two takeaways, and I have a third takeaway. Sure. Uh, the wardrobe that Blake Lively wears in that movie. Yeah. <laughs> Just a, some shocking really clothing that I've ne- well because she, like the very beginning she's like a you know kind of like a power businesswoman and mm-hmm. like she's wearing like this like it looks like the women's equivalent of like a three piece suit from like Savile Row in f- fucking London. Okay. And then like she goes home and like takes like the jacket off and she's wearing like a spaghetti string shirt underneath it with like cufflinks. <laughs> like that's what basically okay. what she was wearing. Under- I was just like, it was kind of like, did you ever see um, that, that ESPN commercial with John Clayton where he's doing the TV hit and he's like dressed in a suit and they cut away and he's just wearing a fake suit that covers like his bust. Yes, yes. And he yes. tears it off, and he's wearing like a metal band like T-shirt. <laughs> he was sitting in his bedroom, like that's basically what she did, but for business suits, where she like took off like the shell that was the jacket, and underneath is something deeply unserious. <laughs> and she had a whole bunch of other like just excessive wardrobe. And I was like, really? Do they make like? This can't be real, right? Like the 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 wardrobe people just made these things up because they're hilarious, right? But also, they all looked like they cost like five thousand. dollars That's probably real. Oh, I'm sure it's probably a it, thing. It probably is. I just couldn't believe it. It's like definitely your actual wardrobe in real life. Yeah. <laughs> I, correct me if I'm wrong, and I guess spoilers maybe uh, because I'm guessing uh, the whole thing was life insurance fraud. Right. Yeah, spoiler alert, but yeah. <laughs> okay. So something, something to do with that? It's coming it's coming back. It's I it there's parts is there a is there a twin sister? Yes. Okay. All right. I remember this movie ish. <laughs> no, <laughs> I saw, that, definitely are, saw it. Those are the key details. Some of the twists and turns are largely unnecessary, and a couple of them made things more confusing not yeah i i kind of i kind of remember that being the case being like wait what what, where we where are we where are we (laughs) where are we right now yeah okay all right so that's what you watched yeah that was i'm glad i sent you you down that rabbit hole yeah years in the making 
What else are you consuming? We're going to go round robin, Nelson. Oh, let's, 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 because I've got a doozy. Yeah. Or you want right. to go so next? As you, I, I'm going to go next. As you know, big fan of this series. Um, I will for Al, Al will have to we'll have to get on board so that we can do an oh, episode. God. Yeah, I gotta watch um, that one before it's still. Really, we didn't do that one. No. All right. Well, so I, I saw Fast Ten, uh, Fast X, if you will. I, I I don't know. I don't know what the appropriate. Uh, Al only sees the Fast you know, Nine Furious. This is. Oh wait, do you, have you heard us talk about that? Yes. The Fast Eight, <laughs> Fast Fast Nine Furious. Yeah. This actually sets up an important. Just a quick sidebar before you go on. So this was supposed to be part the first part of a two part finale, right? Yeah, well, which was news to me. Oh, wait, you don't know? No, no, no. We definitely talked about this like two years ago. No, you exactly knew this. two years ago. You think I remember that? I'm just like you knew. Uh, it, when did, you when know did Simple Favor come out? I didn't even know if I saw it until I looked it up. I was surprised you didn't recognize <laughs> that, but that's fine too. But I mean, it was I supposed to be a two part finale. But I think with the success of this one, he's now announced it's going to be a three part finale, maybe. Maybe. Which sets us up for them to finally get it right, because the final one could just be Fast XXX. I thought the whole point was it was always going to be 12 movies. Like, from like, from 8. The last one I saw was like, 7. I, I started with one with John Cena, and I was like, mm. yep, not watching this. I couldn't get into it. No, okay. John Cena was in 9, right? Oh, maybe he I've was seen in one 9. Movie. That's the one I haven't seen. Okay. Yeah. Yes, he, I think he, he debuted in not. Okay, listen. Here's the thing. I, no, continue. I, continue. I forgot. I didn't. I did not know. Going into it, I was like, "This is the last one." That's that's what I that was happening in my mind. Saw the movie. A couple couple of things. Fast and the Furious series, as we know, it's not a good movie, but it's fun. I love it. It's a very entertaining. It's absolutely nonsense. It's it's just this one's it's real bad, like real bad. <laughs> and, like, <it's, laughs> however. It's just making uh, reams and reams of cash. Though. It's oh just not. It, it's so funny because, like, I mean, horrible, horrible special effects. Like, really? maybe, that, maybe the worst I've seen in years. Wow. Okay. Like, you know when things are smooth. You know when special effects are bad and things are smooth. They shouldn't yeah, be 2003. that smooth. Yeah, two thousand three. Yeah, that's that's a lot of that going on. A lot of frame skipping going on. Ooh. Yeah, weird, weird, terrible, just terrible. Bad effects all around. Bad. Uh, however, okay, sorry, not however. On top of that, now Vin Diesel, not not a good actor, but he does his thing, right? He does his Dominic Toretto, and he does it fine. He did it fine for nine movies. He did Dominic Toretto as we know him for nine movies, and then he did this. And I don't know if he's going for something else or if he's just aging out of the role. 20 years ago, but... It could be both. I mean, well, to be fair, he did do different in Fast 8. Okay. Yeah, I guess it was a little bit different. It's, 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 getting, it's getting different. Anyway, they, they framed, not, Well, they framed him as a villain for the first half of the Yeah, it's not good, though. It's it's weird. There's something about it. There's a disconnect. He's he's doing facial expressions. It looks like a telenovela. It's, it's not... <laughs> it's not great. Um, the effects are horrible. This is going on. We're like... We're getting into the movie, and I'm like, this... Uh-oh. Uh-oh. I'm... Uh, I know that the Fast and the Furious movies are not good movies, but they're enjoyable. And I was like, so far, this is bad. This is really bad. And, and I don't know what, what... Like, what could... Nothing... How are they going to turn this around? Because I don't... I can't imagine the effects are going to get better. 
by the end of the movie, <laughs> that would be jarring, <laughs> like more jarring than them being terrible. I, I would assume that his performance is not going to change back to what I expect from Dominic Toretto, but that would also be jarring. And then Jason Momoa comes in and eats up everything. And it is worth seeing this movie for that alone, even if you aren't a Fast and Furious fan. He is amazing in this movie. He I mean, is, that, that sounds like Jason Momoa to me. He is dialed up to 19 on a scale of 1 to 10. He is up there. He's through the roof. He What's is the doing of that in Thuckles. He is, uh, he's, uh, you got to do the toes. <laughs> it's all the toes, everything. Uh, he's basically the Fast and Furious Joker well, and really leaning into it. Okay. And in a way where it's like, every, it's like <laughs> every character in Fast and Furious is over the top, right? It's just over the top. But he's on another level. <laughs> and it's you can't so good. see the top from it where just, he is. <laughs> he's so he is so entertaining. And then, of course, you find out that he's also mentally unstable. And then he leans into that. And very much I'm like, oh no, he is he is this universe's Joker. And it's amazing. And it's intriguing. I I I I implore you, do not do not leave the theater after the first 15 minutes. Stay. Stay and watch. <laughs> Let let his character settle in because uh, he's nuts and he does some really weird things and they make you laugh along the way. It's it's it went from being I was like oh no I don't know if I'm gonna be able to sit through all of this to this is the most fun that's a furious movie like it none of the every every other movie has better like it obviously has better effects they have better like car chase stunt scene all of it all of it's better in all of the other movies. This is still great because of him. He really pulls that much weight with this movie. <laughs> and it then like there's a lot of weight to pull. It gets to the end of the movie and it gets to a I would say a conclusion, but generally just a they just cut the film <laughs> right there. And I was like, "Well, okay." And Damien, who I went to see with, turned to he's like, "Oh, he's like, oh, you didn't know it was more than one." I was like, "I probably did at some point, but no, I did not realize it was more than one." That's awesome. Um now, then, that's, uh, with, without spoiling, will we be seeing more of him? But yeah, <laughs> I think you will. I think you will. Um, and there was a post-credit scene for the ages. Really? Yeah. If you follow, I'm not. So I'm going to leave it there because you haven't seen it yet. But. Is there someone else I'm not aware of who's dead, who's alive again, or did someone oh, like oh. accidentally? Oh, Al, we'll oh. talk about it when you see it. Was it say, or did they just like re-kill Han or something? No, no. I will. Uh, <laughs> I, I I will spoil one thing for you because it's easy it's easy to miss and I want you to actually really be paying attention to it when you go see this movie. Okay. Um, there's a scene where we go see Jason Statham, obviously, right? Of course, we're going to see him at some point. Mm-hmm. And uh, they're like, uh, we got like you know, they're like being real cagey about who they're going to talk to, and like Han's like, I got to do it, and it's like, well, we'll go in with you, and he's like, I got to do this alone, and like why? And I don't know, but I don't know what the reason is. But anyway, he's going to go do it alone. <laughs> he's walking into the room, and in the room, it, he's in this like garage that is empty, and there's a heavy bag, and it's just Jason Statham with a hoodie and sweatpants on, punching the heavy bag, doing a workout in this non gym place, just a heavy bag in a room. In an undisclosed location. As one does. Action movies. Anyway, he's doing that. He's punching this heavy bag. And really just like aggressive about it. Right? And then 
this, he stops when the guy walks in. They go through their whole thing, and then, oh, of course, you know, oh, 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 there's a whole bunch of people here to get us. They followed you, whatever, and they like they attack the room. They're fine, and then like a car comes in and it blasts the heavy bag away. Anyway, I need you to watch it because I'm not going to go see it again before you see it and before we do an episode. I need you to make sure that I saw that right. That a car hit this heavy bag and launched it across the room. Mm-hmm. Okay, because when all of the dust settles. The heavy heavy bag opens, and a man in his underwear runs out. Oh! And I'm like, I turned to David, and I was like, he got hit by a car, though, right? (laughs) (laughs) And I'm I'm fairly certain I'm right, Uh, but I'm going to need you to check that for me. Okay. I think you guys should go see it together. I think you'll have a good time. (laughs) You you sold it very well. (laughs) I I, want to watch it now. I just but I'm very surprised the effects are Oh like, yeah. I can't I mean it's funny because you're going to know what I mean just minutes into the movie. Okay, a couple a couple other things that we need to we need to get straight. Um things that I need you to double check for me when you go see it. Mm-hmm. First, call me crazy. You've seen a bunch of these movies at this point. Dominic Toretto is Italian. <sighs> I've always been I've always been shaky on that. Okay. All right. All right. All right. right. Well, it's just that his sister clearly isn't. (sighs) Yeah, but his sister is his sister because they were like halfway through the script for the first movie. They're like, you know what? (laughs) This one's his sister. (laughs) Um, I don't know. I I always was under the impression that he was Italian. Yeah. I mean, Toretto sounds Italian, I guess. Okay. Well, that, that is not, uh, nothing. Nothing wrong with this. It was just jarring to me when he has his son call his mom, who we've never met before, but suddenly is in the picture and not not an eyebrow raised. It's just another famous person that they pull in to be his mom, okay. and they're like abuela, and I'm like, that's not Italian for grandma. <laughs> I was like, what? What, no, but, what but, happened here? But like. <laughs> You know, it could be something because of Letty, you know? It could be, but I think it's his mom. Still, uh, maybe they just, that's just Whatever. The, and that's, the word that's, they use. I, I understand why you're asking the question, I do. I'm trying okay. to think of solutions, and that's the solution that came to I mind. don't know why I'm trying to to piece this together. I don't know why I'm trying to make it make sense. It doesn't need to be cohesive. I mean, this is a movie where a man pushed a missile with his hand. <laughs> just pushed it. Beautiful. You're talking about the rock? Yeah, <laughs> drag the torpedo. Yeah, yeah, uh, it's 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 good. I we 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 left sanity behind when Han was still alive. That's all. I'm sure, say. sure. Um, just see it. Have some fun. Get some popcorn. It's a it's a popcorn movie. Okay. It's yeah, uh, it sounds like it. It's just I can't. I we we're, I'm excited. I'm excited for you to see it. Nelson, what are you consuming? Um, I watched, I think I told you about this, is A, a Man from Uncle. It's a oh, remake okay. from quite some time ago. Anthony, have you seen it? You haven't. I, I haven't. I, I wanted to. Watch. I have not seen it. It's a fun watch. You know, Henry Cavill shines, Alicia Vikander shines, um, great cast. It's a, a Guy Ritchie film as well. So I'm surprised you guys haven't seen that. it. Yeah. Uh, Hugh Grant's in it. Um, great cast. Then <laughs> it must be. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> It starts pretty slow, like the first five minutes, and then it just a bullet train to the end. And nice. They bullet do train. really well. 
it's it's, it's, <laughs> real, it's really fast. It's entertaining. It's just an action movie. It takes all the cliches from a spy movie and puts it all together. It has the convenience of being a remake. So there's some things that they just reuse. Um, mm. I will say it wasn't clean. Um, as in, like, there's a lot of stuff that's, like, kind of plot holes. that they just, like, plug sure. with, like, bullshit. Oh, nice. <laughs> um, oh, but yeah. it works. They're like, okay, here, that's fine. Um, it takes place during the Cold War, which is always a fun subject, which I like. Um, yeah, that's, that's, that's Al's bread and butter. It is. The, the guy that plays opposite Henry Cavill is... We don't talk about him anymore. The, the guy who plays opposite Henry Cavill? Was, was that Army Hammer? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we don't talk about him anymore. Yeah, he he was good in it. Hammer Cavill, I mean, hashtag Hammer Cavill no more. Yeah. <laughs> Cavill's gavels. That's right. <laughs> you know, you know the story with Army, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, we we used to be. A do we before. though? Do we know? Does I mean he's out in Puerto Rico, Cuba? I, pff, I have no idea. With his family hiding. I guess mm. that's yeah, I think he's in hiding, but um, I don't know. He's in Did he eat so somebody? Crazy. Undetermined. That, okay. I heard that and I was like, unclear, undetermined. He certainly wants to. Sure. Which is odd. Um, Alicia Vikander was. What if well, you just find it? Nelson's like, and what's wrong with that? What's wrong with that? <laughs> um, I think this is generally probably a pro Alicia Vikander podcast. Yeah. We're huge fans of Ex Machina. I don't know if you've seen that. No. Uh, that was her first like feature role. Okay. I definitely watched that. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah, we're huge fans of Alex Garland here. Film, okay, um, and that was like his first movie that he wrote and directed, at least that anyone knows about officially. Um, <laughs> but um, that love that movie. Um, it's basically just Alicia Vikander, Donald Gleason, and uh, Oscar, Oscar Isaac, Isaac, and that's it. Okay, interesting. I'll check it out. Yeah, um, good movie. I really just know her from Born. That last Bourne movie, I think that's the first thing I saw her in. I have not seen any of them past the second one, so another fun. Yeah, I loved the books, and they were a betrayal of the. I just couldn't keep watching them anymore. And I know she was in a Lara Croft movie. She was in the remake. I don't know if it did well. I heard it didn't, but I saw that one on a plane, so I it's definitely I I probably would rate it (laughs) multiple points over what it actually is. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Um. She, she won an Oscar, didn't she, for um, the Danish Girl? I think she won. I, okay, I, thank you. I was like, I was like, that's exactly what I was like, trying to look up. I was like, I'm pretty sure she won. She took home the Golden Boy, but I don't know uh, for what. She was, she was definitely nominated. I, I, I think she won. Let's find out. Um, but yeah, no. Why, uh, why do I have such a hard time navigating IMDb? This is, this this is a, a running thing on this. I was gonna say this has been a continuing problem for you. Oh. <laughs> She's a fellow 88 child. Uh, nope, that's not what I wanted to do. Anyway, uh, Man from Uncle. Still, Al, you saw that. Did I did you? not. Uh, I thought I thought you No, when I saw the trailer, I was like, oh no, the jokes aren't that funny. The movie is not going to be very good. But <laughs> I have actually weirdly heard that it's it's developed a quiet cult following, actually, from, yeah. from what I understand. So I, I might get around to it one of those well, years. Let's put it on the list, because I'm definitely... When we have you back on the show five years from now, I'll say Nelson... There's yeah. a show that a movie you recommended, and I, I, uh, I watched it. And you're gonna be like, I don't know what that is. <laughs> yes, I've never seen this movie. <laughs> no idea what the movie is. 
My man. <laughs> it's quite an old movie. I want to say it's like three, four years old. Simple Favor. Oh, I think it's older than that. <laughs> it, it, it's, it's probably, was it like 2016 or something like that? 2015. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Cool. Fun movie. All right. I'll check that out. Back to you, Al. Okay. Um, so I watched a, probably an underwatched movie, I would say. Um, mm. Anthony, we, we like Taika Waititi here, right? Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Have you heard of The Hunt for the Wilder People? Yes. And I'm talking about before my mom mentioned it to you like a week and a half ago. Yes. She had okay. mentioned it and I, the, the name of the movie was familiar and then she explained it and then it, the plot was more familiar, but I, I don't like, when did it come out? I believe this was the first movie he made after what we do in the shadows. Okay. Before his like mainstream American success, I believe. It's like 2015, 2016, something like that. Um, have, have you heard of this one? I vaguely heard of this. I think I probably knew it when I looked him up, like when he took over the Thor franchise. Uh, but I didn't know anything about this one. Um, and was looking for something to watch a couple weeks ago. And <clears throat> saw this, threw it on. And um, it is definitely a type of YTT. Facts. Um, Sold. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, you know, it's... It's a bittersweet type of movie, right? Like he's always going to have some feels and some funny. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's it's about finding the balance between those things, and uh, it's as unlikely a star duo as you will find in Sam Neill and that kid from Deadpool Two before he was in Deadpool Two. And um, I don't know. It was uh, it was a it was a fun watch. It was, it's definitely worth checking out. It's uh, about these two guys, this guy and this this teenager who him and his wife had adopted, um, or fostered rather, um, going on the run in the hills of New Zealand from the law because they've become fugitives. I, I'm watching the the trailers playing right now in it uh, uh, silently, but there's I I never piece it together until watching the trailer quietly that his style has a lot of similarities. I, it's a it's weird to say so it's very similar to Wes Anderson's like shooting but stylistically even though Wes Anderson does a lot of symmetry I feel like his is asymmetrical but it's still for some reason mirror like it kind of matches up to like the way that he frames his shots I don't know how I'm not explaining it well but I feel like if you watch it side by side and the only reason I could say this is I had just saw the new trailer for the new Wes Anderson movie yeah, I didn't know that was, my mind. I didn't know that was coming out until I saw the trailer before Guardians. I yeah, and then I was like watching this. It's like there's something about this that is oddly familiar, and that's where that I feel like there's something there. I don't know. I don't. It's, I'm not artistic enough within like with directing and angles and all that stuff to know what it is. But there's something there. <laughs> I don't know the terminology, but what it is is the framing and the lighting has the effect of these are people inside of a like dollhouse because yeah. that's what all the Wes Anderson stuff is and I think that Waititi does a bit of that too yeah a lot of like the the various like zoom effects too and the swiping yeah yeah it's that's crazy anyway I would watch this um I, would, I will watch anything that he does at this point because he, I find every everything that I've I've watched from him or that uh, uh, revolves around him has been just really really just great yeah, like, uh, he, he's, he's only in it about a Hitler youth work. Yeah, well, that's kind of what I said. Um, <laughs> yeah, he's only in it for like two minutes. He has a little role, but um, sure. it's it's unmistakably one of his movies. If I didn't know it was him, I would have figured it out after about eight minutes. 
Um, yeah. And that's even without the fact that everyone had to very heavy New Zealand accents. Sure. Um, but uh, yeah, no, it's, it's a, it's a nice watch. I, I would, I would recommend it. It's a, uh, it's a, it's a feel good watch. Nice. Very cool. I, uh, I started a new show. So we were last week we had watched Ted Lasso <clears throat> and we wanted more. We wanted more, more feel goody show to watch. And I uh, realized that that show platonic had a few episodes that had been released. Yes, I would like to watch that. I have not had the opportunity yet. Really good. Apple TV so far, with all of the things that I've chosen to watch on it, have there's nothing that has been a miss for me that I've that I've sat down to actually start watching. Despite seeming to have a laughable start to its platform, it's probably neck and neck with HBO right now as far as the, streamers. They are absolutely doing quality over quantity, though. Like, which I very much want out of these things. The, if I'm going to yeah, pay for I, it, I want. You to give me shit that's good. I agree, I, but I just say it's something. It's something pretty fun because Neighbors was a fun movie, very entertaining, yes. great chemistry between Seth Rogen and Rose. Is it Byron? Byrne. I'm assuming Byrne. it's Byrne, but maybe Byrne. they do a weird Australian thing Rose where she's Byrne. from. I don't know. <laughs> Rose Byrne. I uh, great chemistry. They they were so good in that movie together. So it just makes sense. Hey, let's pair them up again. Let's do a let's do a Vince Vaughn, Owen Wilson. Like let's like you are a duo that works really well yeah. and. That's what's going on here, and but it's just in a longer format, a, a show, thirty-ish minute episodes, I think, just really or however long they need to be, which again I appreciate, like whatever the story is. Um, it's it. There's nothing groundbreaking about what they're doing. It's just a fun watch, and their chemistry makes it work. And I just she's really funny, yeah. and like it's I'm I'm, I'm kind of he he's funny too. Seth Rogen's funny too, but I feel like he's always been better at playing the secondary funny person in the room and they're like a rose burn takes the spotlight like more so i feel even though it's like a definitely like a it's i feel like it's meant to be kind of like a an equal leads type type show i feel that maybe it weights a little bit more towards her in a good way and he can kind of settle settle back because his remarks on the side or as we fade off screen or do something like that's where he shines i find and uh, it's just really, it's been really fun. It's just the the situations they get themselves into, just nonsense. It's a silly premise. It's it's just a good, just a good comedy. It's just fun to watch. So I recommend it. Yeah, I definitely want to check that one out. I I saw trailers for it a couple weeks ago, and I was like, oh, I'll probably get around to that for sure. So mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I'm uh, I'm definitely looking forward to getting to that. One. As things are coming to an end, perfect timing. You'll have a little bit of a backlog of episodes you can get to and catch up on. Yeah, with Ted Lasso ending and with Succession ending, I suddenly found myself, uh, and I'm nearing the conclusion of Jedi Survivor, so I'm, I'm having some space open up soon for entertainment. Nice. More, more on more on Ted Lasso next week when Al's finished it and everybody else has had the chance to finish the series. <laughs> I really tried to finish it, but also it, it's probably for the best that we don't deeply d- dive into the finale with Nelson here since he hasn't yeah, had a chance to watch sure. it. So. I um, am so envious that you get to watch all of it, though. <laughs> <laughs> you should. It's that's so that's what I did last year. I binged the whole first season, and the second season, I think it like just ended when, or was whatever, it was a, maybe the last two or three episodes or whatever, and I, I watched like all of that, and we were doing the shows. It was, I remember it was when Dominic was out of town, because I remember I was going to his apartment, watching the episode, and then we would jump right on and record. Like, nice. It was watching like that, and... Book of Boba Fett, we're like both like running. Interesting. 
Yeah, I'm going to just binge it all once it comes nice. out. What else yep. uh, are you consuming, Nelson? I saw an interesting movie on Prime. It was one of those top 10 rated, 4.2 stars. Memory with Liam Neeson. Okay. One of his newest they, movies. They did that one a while back. They may I, have been. I, I listened to this podcast. I've talked about it on the show before, but I don't know if I've told you about it. Called Cinephobe. Yep. And they did uh, Liam Neeson month along with like a bunch of other times that had Liam Neeson's on there. And Memory was one of them. I don't really remember it because at this point they've all blurred together because they've done like eight Liam Neeson movies. <laughs> but uh, I, I just you mentioned it just reminded me of like the Liam Neeson run that they went on. But please refresh my memory because I actually I don't remember which one that one was. Yes, yeah, so this in this one he's a hitman. Um, oh, that's takes right. place in El Paso. <laughs> that's right. Okay, it's a. Uh, it was a hard watch. Hey, I, think <laughs> I have a specific question because they make this joke a bunch on the show after having seen it. Is that the one where he's got like the ill brother mm-hmm. and he says something about remembering when the Bucks drafted Lou Alcindor or something like that? Yeah. They make a joke about that all the time. <laughs> Yeah. I think like the Phoenix Suns were supposed to win the lottery yes. or something like that. Yes. And he says, and then the Bucks got goddamn Lou Austin yeah. They make that joke all the time on Cinema, but I forgot which of the Liam Neeson movies it was from. It's not that he's just sick. He he has like advanced Alzheimer's. They say it outright. Yeah. That he's like terrible at memory, doesn't know anything. And he's like, Do you remember this? He's like makes no attempt. He's just <laughs> he's so sick. And you know, Oh, so they both have Memory issues. Yes, they, I, couldn't, I, I forgot that they both are the same thing. Okay. I won't give any spoilers, but uh, he also is on his onset, and um, you know, he's Liam Neeson. He gives it his all. He did it all in that little stretch where he was like on a train, on a plane. He was doing everything. In this one, he's in El Paso. Um, would you kill him on a train? Would you kill him on a plane? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I would not kill him, Sam. I am. <laughs> uh, not a great supporting cast. The, the <laughs> acting is it's hard, it's, it was a hard watch I, I was watching it on the train to the city the other day I was like um, I just want to just watch something and numb my brain and I was like hey, it seems like a good watch 4.2 out of 5 on Prime I would not rate it anywhere close to that yeah. <laughs> um, maybe a 2.5 negative thuckles yeah, yeah negative thuckles for sure um, brutal don't watch it I, I mean <laughs> it's, a, it's a shame you're going to save like, yourself time yeah, I'm looking right now at like a catalog of his movies, and it's just like they're all like it's funny, like it's like kind of like they're all the same movie, and it's just, I mean, they're they're clearly on a train. still raking in cash on a plane. We got we got Black Light, Last Seen Alive. They definitely did Ice Road Black Light on the show. As well. Honest they did Thief. Ice Road on the show. They did Honest Thief. They loved Fortress? Honest Thief. The Marksman. Oh, this is more like this. This is not necessarily his movie. Sorry, one second. Where else we got? Where, where you at, Liam Neeson's? Got, got the Liam Neeson's though. So the thing was, the, the was it like Guillaume like Cole Sarah or something like that was the name of the director who did like half of those movies. Okay, and those ones are okay, but the whoever's done all those other movies, I just like, I can't. Some of them look so painful, I, I can't. That, that very yeah. first one, I think it was the plane one came out for the. Trailer. I liked nonstop. It, I, I did like that movie. The it, very it and good the twist. That that was the gray. The gray. The nonstop was really good. The end unravels a bit, but mm-hmm. up until like the final 
eight minutes of the movie, I actually really enjoyed that one. I've seen it. I've watched it a few times. Like I yeah. liked it that much. So the train one is not great. I couldn't bring myself to watch that the, one. The, the graphics, not it. Like they're on <laughs> train, but like there's not so much you need to do. It's a train. What was that one called? I don't remember. Uh, I don't remember. Didn't it have what's his name? The guy from didn't they have Mike Ehrman Trout from uh, Breaking Bad slash Better Call Saul? Maybe Jonathan Banks. Jonathan I think, Banks. I think it did. How many Taken movies are there? Three. Three, three times. Taken three times. Well, the first one, his daughter was taken, uh-huh. and the second one, him and his ex-wife were taken. Oh, he was taken. Interesting. Yes, and then the third, third one. one. Spoiler alert: the ex-wife was killed. He gets <gasps> framed for it. <gasps> Just wait. So who's taken? Her life. Oh, nice. That's thinking outside the box. <laughs> the commuter. The, <laughs> the commuter, that's, that's right. Alright. So oh don't God. watch don't watch memory. <laughs> no. Alright. You wanna save yourself some time? Alright. I have it. another thing. So I have really appreciated and we were just talking about it a minute or two ago. I've really appreciated Apple TV's TV. Their movies maybe haven't been quite as strong. Uh, I watched a movie that I knew was going to be bad, uh, but that I still wanted to see. It came out like a month or so ago now. Uh, I watched Ghosted with ah. Chris, Chris Evans and Anna Armas. Yeah. Uh, and it's not good. It's not a good movie. Sure. Doesn't mean it's not in- enjoyable. Yeah, I was going to say, like, I, you didn't think it was going to be a good movie, did you? No, God, no. Okay. Um, right. It was worse in some ways than I anticipated, but... Um, it's a watch. Yeah, it's a watch. It's 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 entertaining. It has its moments. Throw a movie on. It's yeah. a it's a nice, easy, you know, kind of. It's it's like part like buddy action movie and also part like you know rom com. So uh, I don't know. It was it was an entertaining watch. It's uh, it's got some flaws, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> but some of the action sequences are legitimately pretty good and. Uh, there are some laughs to be had, and so uh, yeah, I, I I still want to see it. It looked it looked silly. Yeah, it's a it's a nice. It's a Friday night. I want to watch a movie. I definitely don't want to get up and leave my house. I want something light and easy to watch, and yeah. uh, you'll have a couple of laughs, and uh, it'll be great. I'm very interested in watching that Tetris movie. Yeah, um, I mean, I like Tyron Edgerton, and it's we'll see. I just thought of something. That I've watched because it was a while ago and I forgot all about it. But the the Ed Sheeran documentary on Disney Plus, it's like it's a four a part, I think. Like, oh my god! <laughs> it's so it's incredible. It's really? it, he is incredibly talented. His story is wonderful. His personality is just it's it it is so it's heavy. It's really heavy stuff. But it's I. I would encourage you if you're in if you're in the mood for something like that, more biopic type thing of like a, a snapshot of his like life plus some of the longer things around it. I really, really worth the time. Like blown away. Really? Can't stop listening to his music. Like really good. <laughs> I can't. It's excellent. <laughs> Could not recommend any more than that. It's just go for it. Interesting. Even if you're not a fan, I think. Yeah, it's I'm really not usually. Uh... I'm not usually like a huge documentary person. It's very well put together. Okay. I am definitely seen some. The documentaries are easy ones for me to turn off when they start to get repetitive or it feels like 
you started making the thing but didn't maybe get all the answers to what you were trying to do so like we're kind of just it's just conjecture and then it's like when is it really a documentary at that point and like those are that that I don't want to waste my time with that. This was really good. This was about this person in this time of his life and like what he's going through, how like you see some of his process for writing music, you see how extraordinarily talented he is and how it truly is like the thing that he uses to get through. Like he uses it when he's happy. He uses it when he's sad and like it just drives him and it's incredible. Like all of the stuff that he goes through in the course of this year that it covers and how it ends up turning back into all of these songs that are on his latest album. Like, it's... Watch it. <laughs> okay. You have the time. It is... Uh, I was blown away. Interesting. Nelson? Um, on documentaries, uh, I saw one maybe two, three weeks ago. It was actually a rewatch. It, I was showing my girlfriend Linda for the first time. Um, Blackfish? Okay. Have, yeah, have it's one about a SeaWorld or it? Mm. It's about SeaWorld, yeah. yeah. Um, haven't seen it actively avoided it because i was like oh. <laughs> it, it is quite of a like one of those darker documentaries yeah. i'll be honest i enjoyed it just it was like i, I like fish <laughs> not to eat like are, are they like cool to live orcas are not really fish they're mammals we'll say that but um it was, it was I like great, fish. Great <laughs> the, that's the that's the pull <laughs> quote from the episode that, 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 if we named episodes after something that was said on it that's the, that's the one. <laughs> it was a fun watch. I I thoroughly enjoyed it as a documentary. Like, I, like I'm not a huge documentary fan. Um, so, so the last two documentaries I've seen are the Beatles documentary and the last time I saw Blackfish probably like seven years ago. <laughs> ah, sure. <laughs> so not a big documentary guy, uh, but it's a. I think it's a well worth it watch. You learn a little bit. It's short. I want to say it's like just over an hour so it's not crazy okay um yeah cool the only the only documentary that really like caught my attention was um <clears throat> that one that uh oj made in america oh yeah mm. i heard that was and that one was like fucking seven hours long but it was really really interesting stuff it, it, it was mostly just because i was gravitated towards i've always wanted to like know more about that story it just wasn't something i was gonna like go like read a ton of stuff about and I don't know, just the I was I was as much caught up in how the story was told, which I like I knew ahead of time. Considering it was like there's substantial portions of it that aren't even really about him necessarily, but then they keep coming back to that and why like it all matters basically. Okay, it was a really compelling story and and how it was. Told. I would like to check that out. That sounds that sounds interesting to me. Yeah, it came out I... like uh, six or seven years ago, something like that. Do you have any memory of watching the trials at all? I remember a little bit of the civil trial. I was mm. too young to really remember the actual trial. I was like yeah. four years old or five. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, what was so interesting about this was that so much of it is about him as a college football player and as an NFL player and as a movie star. And when things started to go like sideways in his life and then the murder and then the trial. Like, so like you spent so much time learning. Like I really almost knew almost nothing about all of that stuff. I knew he was a star player, but like, that's it. It was literally just enough to say he was a star player. Yeah. He was Mm -hmm. huge. It was like a very close, like the height of his fame, Right. But like, yeah, to, to, to understand like 
how important he was like culturally or like um at least from like a fandom standpoint of like fans of football and everything like that and uh and and acting like you know like his mark in acting commercials and all that stuff like i didn't really actually mm. have an appreciation for all that well and what is that one on uh it was an espn documentary so uh it's probably available on espn plus cool i think so yeah i'd like to i'd like to nice uh, I, I I feel like I've there's enough things I've consumed other stuff, but I know we're gonna talk a little bit about Jedi Survivor. So anybody have anything else they want to mention for consumption? No, that's the last thing for me as well. So I'm good. All right, so definitely been consuming some Jedi Survivor. I find when I I, I was telling Alvis the other day, I'll find I, I'm not playing. I don't play that often, but when I do, I, I've been managing to find like an hour plus pocket of time to sit down, which is, I feel like you really need that amount of time because otherwise you might not make any progress. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but as soon, like once I don't want to, I do not want to put that game down after I pick it up. It's so much fun. There's just always something It's like, Ooh, what's over there? Ooh, what's over there? Ooh, what's over there? Ooh, what's the storyline? Like, like I just, there's just constant, there's just constantly something to do. I cannot, I just cannot even fathom like, if you told me this existed, like if it was already out, right? Like you understood and I hadn't touched it yet. And like, you were trying to explain to me how it compares to the previous game. As far as like, it's just, how did they do this? <laughs> how did they make it? It's a perfect sequel. It is everything. How, how did they I take love. this fantastic game and just make it more? Yes. More. <laughs> and how do they do that? I mean, granted they gave you a cross guard, but how did they do this? <laughs> I mean, Seriously, like a from just more collectibles, more move sets, more powers, like all of it, more, more, much more to explore, and like in such a way that it doesn't feel daunting. There are games that are big that make me go, ah, I don't even want to start it. That just feels like too much. Yeah. Where this is like, I yeah, I'll, I, you know what I'm gonna do today? I'm gonna. How much time do I have? I've got about an hour. I'm gonna go in this cave instead of going on the next main mission, and then like. Two and a half hours passed, and I was like, "What did I do?" <laughs> like, <laughs> it's just, it's just chaos. It's just the like, it really everything you do in that game, it feels like you're actually progressing. Like you, like every little fight you get into, like you, like nothing's wasted. You're either you're building up experience to to unlock perks, or you're discovering something new. Whether it's like a something to wear, or something to customize, or like new story beats, or like little force echoes that tell in between stories. It's like, it's bonkers. There's so much stuff. There's so much content in that game. Yeah. I honestly don't even, I don't know how they pulled it off in the time that they did. Yeah, it feels like, (laughs) when you look at this game versus so many of the other games, especially these ones that are having these really long development cycles, and it's like, what have you been spending all your time on? That this game took one that was a pretty, like, stripped down game, all things considered, at least, like, with the benefit of hindsight. Like, it didn't, Exactly, feel small when Jedi Fallen Order came out, but like, no, it like compared to this, it feels like it's pretty lo fi. Yeah, it feels like that entire game fits in one of the planets of this game. Yeah, and it's not just size either, like, it's it's depth of detail as well. I, I, yeah, I think that, yeah, for all of that, I mean, crazy, yeah, and and on top of all of that, like. They added a whole slew of characters. Like in the mm-hmm. first game, you basically have your two that becomes three like crew members. In this, mm-hmm. 
you have all of them, plus, like, a literal litany of people who you can stumble upon across your journeys across the main hub planet, who then come back to the bar and just hang out there, and there's conversations with all of them. They give you little assignments to do. You can do them or not do them. There's almost always you're going to want to because you get real rewards from most of them. And sometimes it's you find another character who comes back and will mm. ultimately give you another mission. Or you go do some big fight that you get a big experience boost or a force boost or a life boost. Like It's not just a customizable thing. Like Sometimes it's that too, but a lot of times you're getting like real legitimate... Like You're powering up your your character and all that stuff. So, um, or it's unlocks a new area that you hadn't been to yet, or you go back to an area you wouldn't have ever gone back to because you've already explored it and you found, Oh, there's other things I could have gone and done here that I didn't even realize were still available to me to do. Um, and just the whole depth of those conversations, like make you, I mean, it's not you're like you're falling in love with every single one of these like tertiary characters, but there's enough there that there's going to be someone for everyone to like want to talk to and, and, and hear from and all that stuff and hearing some of their stories go through. I mean, to me, there's one clear cut best character in the game. Anthony, I suspect that you feel the same way I do. It's Scuba Stev, um, who's definitely not a ripoff of Scuba Steve. No. Um, and is also definitely a giant talking mollusk. And that's all. He's the best character in the game. I don't, I don't think there's an argument, right? Yeah, it's, it's wonderful. Um, he's this little guy. He's a fisher. You, you meet him. And um, when you're just out exploring Kobo, you'll come across a body of water and there he is and he's fishing and you go and talk to him and he continues on over the course of this entire game. He's been telling you a story about this adventure he went on in outer space where he was kind of sort of basically kidnapped by a pirate. And it's kind of like the story from the princess bride where like Wesley goes with the dread pirate Roberts. It's it's kind of like that, (laughs) but like somehow darker and more depressing than that. Um, and um, he, he tells you a little snippets, and each time you, you talk to him, he catches a new fish, and you bring it back to your aquarium and all that. And he's even on Jeddah, and like, there's like one little <laughs> puddle of water in Jeddah, and you'll even find him there one time. Amazing. Everywhere else you find him is on Koba, but you'll even find him on Jeddah one time, and it's like, I didn't even know there was water on this planet. That's um, But uh, yeah, I don't know. It's just, it, it's so much fun. It's, for, the first game had a much bigger grander story this is a much more focused smaller story the empire really kind of takes a back seat to what's going on here and this takes on the character it's reflections of things that happened in the high republic versus mm. now uncovering the secret and kind of showing how that time of decadence led to what we would see would be the fall of the republic okay. in the prequel stories you get kind of echoes of that in this so uh, yes yeah that was intentional that was deliberate um and um i don't know just i mean going from the two stances to five stances you can only carry two at a time but anytime you go to a safe spot you can swap out that's amazing i'm so much in love i don't get to play it the customizable size of this game compared to the first one yeah is Uh. insane and not just stance and lightsaber and but the first one was what a few ponchos you could wear and a color of your lightsaber. Yeah. Um, and this one, what I've seen is you can really make this character very unique to how you want to play. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's amazing. Uh, even just, even, yeah, as far as like how you want to present yourself, like that's up for a, like a fair amount of it as well. But even within like the stances, like 
it's it they materially affect your gameplay. Like yeah, that's awesome. Like he like Anthony is big on like the double bladed and the blaster. I think the blaster is also probably the most useful like versatile one as well. But I go my other one has been mostly the cross guard one, and it's a dramatically different playstyle yep. than the blaster. It's a dramatically different playstyle even than just a regular single bladed lightsaber. Really? Each one offers you like a legitimately there are pros and cons. Like technically, any of them can be used for any situation, but there are situations you find one is much more useful than the other and it really is like i find myself to be like more like patient like kind of get into the flow of the the battle and let it come to you and then a lot of counter striking so like it took me a while to get used to how slow the cross guard was but it's so powerful that like that plays well to that style for me where like i'm Mm -hmm. using it in duels where like i usually try to be much quicker and lighter on my feet so i don't want to get caught Mm-hmm. you know, with my hand in the cookie jar, so to say. Yeah. Because then you get your ass kicked. And I've found myself actually starting to gravitate more towards this, where it's much more about just keep blocking, just keep <laughs> jumping around, and eventually you're going to hit him with a one-two that's going to leave him staggered. And it's like, it mm-hmm. couldn't be any more different than how I played with my dueling in the first game. Do you yeah. feel like this game is much longer than the first one? Yeah, the first game was probably a 20-ish hour game. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like if feel like well, I, the second time through it or third time through, I think it was, it felt shorter because I know I, like where to go. So I don't know. Exactly. Sure. This this one, I um, I was playing a little bit on Monday night, and I'm probably in like the very early thirties of hours now. Oh wow! And I'm probably seventy five to eighty percent done. I would guess. I mean, it dep- I don't know how the percentage is measured, if it's as to, like, accessing and doing everything, or if it's more story-intensive. I don't know how the percentage is calculated. Okay. Uh, it does feel like the main bent of the story is almost done, but I have this sneaking suspicion that there's about to be a left-hand turn after all this, that where it's like, it would seem like the main story is concluding, and, and maybe it is, and we're going to find that there's a secret third act that we weren't quite prepared for. Mm, love it. That's my suspicion. <laughs> uh, I will say without too much of a spoiler, just to describe and characterize what I'm doing. Uh, Anthony had talked to you about how um, I had explored this area that I thought was going to be very small that had been gated by something. And I found that I had to climb this massive mountain. Yep. Uh, I'm assuming that's the thing that you ended up with the door technician guy, right? Uh, yes. That's where yeah, Rick, I did the exact same thing that you're about to describe. In- yes. Yeah. Including, ah, uh, I can't go any further, and there's more to go. <laughs> uh, so that's where the story takes you back to eventually. Is okay, like this, it's not just more area to explore. Like this, this is a critical mission, like pathway, cool. and you climb to the top of the mountain, and then you're in this floating observatory above the sky. And as you climb it, there's a massive aerial battle happening as you like ascend to this area. Like you just get that's there, awesome. and there's a massive fight between the Empire and the Bedlam Raiders, who are the main antagonists of the whole mm-hmm. thing. As you're, like, jumping from platforms, and there's just, like, TIE Fighters and X-Wings, like, shooting each other around you. That's and then you jump, cool. and there's, like, a whole bunch of Raiders, and then you jump, and then there's a whole bunch of Stormtroopers, and you're just, like, mowing these people down as there is, like, a full-blown space battle happening around you. That's pretty awesome. And uh, last time I played, I, I saved before, I'm assuming there's gonna be a big old fight coming up, so... Um, so- so on that exact thing, like just to give you like a, an idea of like, like 
how much more there is in this game. So I did something very similar where I actually, I just picked up the side quest to find the fisherman, which is, what, what is his name? Scuba Ski? Scuba, Scuba Stev. Scuba Stev. <laughs> to find him, you find him, like, okay, cool. I was like, well, now that I'm back here, let me just keep going and see what else. It looks like I was going to be going up, cresting a hill and finding some stuff. But then, like, Al explained, you go and you go and you go and you go and you get up top. And you're like, oh, my God, there's this entire Imperial base up here. And then you get into this, like, really awesome, like, wave battle of, like, a bunch of stormtroopers and then so stormtroopers plus shock troopers and then like then pl- like they, now we're gonna layer on this and this and this and like finally get through the whole thing. I'm like, what in the world just happened? They take an elevator, it goes even higher, and you get and like in this whole process, you unlock something that BD one a, a, a traversal mechanic yeah. by just being over there that you unlock. Well, that is like literally do. like story critical. Like you at a certain point, you won't be able to advance the story anymore if you haven't unlocked this. Right, so, but but like the fact that you can get it. Ahead of time, it's really interesting. Yeah. If you just go up there. So, like, you unlock that. So, all right, going through, going through. And, like, now I'm, like, you know, I've, I've spent so much time, and I've gone through this whole thing, and I, you know, I, I beat them all. I, I go as far as I can, and it's, like, there's an elevator to take me all the way back down the mountain because I can't go any further because I don't have whatever <laughs> that next thing is that I need. So, I go all the way down the mountain, and I'm, like, okay, let me cross this. There's a place over there I haven't gone to yet. It seems like it's on my way out. So, I cross. I fight a few people. I unlock a shortcut that's going to take me to the entrance to this area that I started at. I was like, oh, what's this little building? And I pull a door away and I jump down into it. And now I'm in this underground cave that just goes on for miles. And there's like all there's like four bosses under it. There's like I, I was like, oh, how long could this take? And I dive in there and I'm in there for I don't know an hour, two hours. And like oh, I've, wow. ga- I've gained like eight experience points just from this one run alone. And, like, it was insane. Like, new mechanics in there, like, how to, like, break different types of doors. It, it was it was wild. And then on top of all that, the stuff that you could find in there, there was another thing. I found, like, a slicing ability. So, like, BD can now slice a different type of droid. I found a bunch of lightsaber parts for customization. Um, and then they have these, I think they're called Force Shards now. Where tears. Force Tears. Where you go... And you activate it, and it just sucks you into basically like a mini game, where like it might be like a battle of like kill. You have to survive killing a hundred enemies in this wave of enemies that are coming through, or <laughs> or it's a specific challenge. Like you can only use this stance of lightsaber, and you have to kill however many enemies or how many waves. Or um, there's the traversal ones where it's like, that's what this was. This is my first parkour one where it's like, oh, that was the first all, one you did. Take <laughs> all of the tools that you've learned, and I was like, okay, and like you're like zipping from line to line. You're doing this like dash through thing. It's, like, it's insane. And then I actually discovered in this that you could slow your traversal on the line. I never actually had to do it before. I didn't realize that you could pull the trigger and you could slow down while you're like zip lining. And I, was like, I rarely, I rarely slow. I, I find myself often speeding up because you can speed it too. I didn't know you could speed it. That yeah, actually le- probably would have been really helpful. The le- <laughs> yeah, well, the, when that one when you like jump and you have to like go back against the grain and yeah. there's like electricity chasing you, it's helpful yes. to go faster. Yeah, so the, the left trigger, left trigger slows you, and the right trigger. I didn't even, I didn't even cross my mind to try the other trigger. I was like, he's going fast enough. But yeah, it's it's insane. And like any any one of these things that they did, like could have been a nice layer on into the next game, right? Like if it's like, oh, it's still 
as linear like the, the last one had a little bit of freedom but it was most i feel like it was mostly a linear game Basically, and it was like mm-hmm. they could have layered on a bunch more of things to find in cosmetics and that would have been like okay cool that's more of the same still great game you know maybe a few but they didn't do that they they expanded the world in such a way where you could go explore a whole bunch of different things before you go on to your main missions they made it so that there is a million different things like to do like you could uh, get all sorts of lightsaber, not just lightsaber parts to build your lightsaber, but like various materials and paints. And like, you could change all aspects of the, like it's re- you could really customize. I yeah, haven't I- even gotten into customizing BD cause it's overwhelming, but like <laughs> they didn't need to do that. And then it's like facial hair and it's not just a pound show anymore. It's like various versions of clothes. And now the clothes also have colors and materials that you could swap. I'm like, what is, and like, that's just the cosmetic stuff. And there's like a whole, build your garden on top of this with all the seeds that you find in the world or like collect all these fish and put them in a fish like things that i don't i don't like to do that that's not my type of gameplay but for anybody that's interested in it like it's there and then you have this massive world and you have just these insane number of like this did the skill trees have expanded because now there's a skill tree for each stance there's a skill tree for just like survival and then a skill tree for force like there's a whole bunch of stuff to pump points into and they added a like, bunch of force powers too because you would have thought oh, awesome. the, the, yeah the last time it was like slow push pull mm-hmm. you get those right off the beginning although slow takes on a very different type it's considered like the ultimate thing you have to like charge a meter to use it okay but it's actually much more useful i rarely use it in the first game because i found it to be not super useful but That's now it. you have confusion which you can use in positive or combat ways you can use it to tame animals to use for mounts or okay. you can use it in combat which is super useful especially once you get to higher levels yeah. where like you're not just fighting something that's like a wampa you're fighting like three of them mm-hmm. and it's like okay well i'm gonna have the two of you kill the third one for yeah me, and then i'm gonna fight two of you <laughs> and so like now you're talking about that now there's also sometimes you're in a story beat where you have a like one of the other characters is with you and you can actively tell them to attack something like and oh, that and like you awesome. could double team like a giant enemy yeah and they either there's... have like one that does a bunch of damage or one that stuns them or one that like holds them still so you can go after attack them and like you know you get some cool animated combos when you like take down one of like the bigger enemies between the two of you or whatever um and it's only limited sections in the game actually I, uh, that's probably my my one slight criticism i wish there was a little bit more mm. uh of that where you could use because it's, it's really two characters that um like kind of depending on which mission you're doing um and they also affect traversal as well where like if you're like navigating a particular section you can have them like set a point for you to anchor that you can use your ascension cable oh. for or like they can repair something that's broken. They gave you a grappling hook. That's another thing they did. Very Once you cool. add a grappling hook to a game, that's just another level. Although, to be fair, it's you can only use it on like designated spots, which I wish there were a little yeah, bit just, more liberal just, with that. Just wait stuff. till the third one. It's going to be ziplining everywhere <laughs> like Spider-Man. Wherever you want to go. Traversal is just whatever you want it to be. I don't know. It's 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 bonkers. They just... They, there is so... I, I I can't believe that they were able to fit all like get all of this stuff into this sequel. Like And it's polished. It's much more polished, polished than the first one was. Like the traversal yeah. stuff, like sometimes you would just like fall off of a thing because yeah. like you it wasn't like a clean like sinking. Yeah. I rarely run into that now. Okay. Um and like the way that they've you know, so you have the 
climb, you have the wall run, you have the double jump that you that are all like ported over from that. But now you add in the ascension cable. Um, you have like some push and pull stuff, and as well as this thing, like he talked about, like, this dash that you can use both in the air as as well as through gated sections. So some of these traversal things are like incredibly complex, but they feel like fun challenging, not like Mario 64 challenging where you're just falling off of a ledge because of the pixels. Mm-hmm. Um, on top of that, where like they actually come up with some really cool, like there's, did you do the second trip to Jeddah, Anthony? I, yes. So you like where you go try and get brother Armias and all that. Yeah. Where you zipping through the, yeah. So the sequence after that, when, when you get the, the thing to do the dash through the gates, that is one of the coolest sequ- I think yeah. I texted you after that. And I didn't want to tell you like, I had what, a feeling what, that's what it what was. Talking about. It was one of the, cause it's not just that you have to like link all of these together. You're doing it in the middle of, you can't actually fight, but you're under like attack. So it's mm-hmm. like, you actually get like that pulse pumping, like frenetic, like you're doing it not just because, Oh, I want to get from here to there. It's you're trying to escape for your life and you have to do it while there's like shit shooting at you. And, there's like portals being opened for you that you have to like hit the mark on, otherwise you fall and die. Like, you know, okay. it's it was one of the coolest sequences that I've been a part of in, in, in any of these games that have nothing to do with like combat or any of that. It was yeah, just that, purely trying to get from one point to another to save your life. Definitely a moment of oh, that's what this console can do. Yes. Like yes. we were like, oh you couldn't you couldn't do this before. No, Not yeah, like the, the processing power to execute this and make it in a way that was like cinematic. It, yeah, it, because it wasn't. I think that's the the most wild thing about what Al's talking about, and you'll you'll get there eventually. Is that it's it feel like it could easily have been a cutscene with quick time events, but yeah. no, you have complete control over the character. You can move oh, him. Awesome. You could jump him through things. You have to reconnect to walls and run and jump and that. It's like you have to act. You're actively trying to do the thing. I mean, I screwed up a few times because you have to like find where it is that you're trying to go. It's and there it goes one, on for a while. And there like, was one time like the portal like was not immediately apparent to me, so I kept same. falling at that spot because I like, like couldn't see it floating because there's gunfire and smoke and all that stuff around you. Um, and then after all that, like you at the end, like you have to do some kind of like force puzzling to like conclude the fight because it's a giant machine essentially that's you know trying to take you down. It's like oh, so okay. cool. Oh, what a great game. I just want to play more of it. Yes. <laughs> and anything any other anything else on Survivor? Any questions, Nelson? <laughs> no, I'm I'm just super excited to play it. Awesome. Well Nelson's uh moving soon, so I think he's waiting until he gets settled. Yeah. To to just immerse myself in it. Nice. I love it. Alright. Well with that, let us get into our flick of the week. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, released in 2023, rated PG-13 with a 2-hour and 30-minute runtime. Your IMDb synopsis. Still reeling from the loss of Gamora, Peter Quill rallies his team to defend the universe and one of their own, a mission that could mean the end of the Guardians, if not successful. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, Let's just jump right in with some toot-length reviews. Al, you want to kick us off? A pitch-perfect ending to the trilogy, alternately heartbreaking and heartwarming, and our final proof that found family can be just as important as birth family, as we see our heroes fly away together into the forever and beautiful sky. 9 out of 10. Nice. 
Nelson? Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 once again pulls the team together, but this time hits you in the fields using a trash panda while simultaneously posturing the use of a couch. (laughs) 8.75 out of 10. (laughs) 8.75? Amazing. I like that you both went very deep in your... I, I, I... I respect it. I uh, I tend to go super short one-liner. Uh, all the right heart and all the weird places. Eight out of ten. <laughs> nice. <laughs> uh, really, I mean, this this whole series has been a phenomenon from the start. I was reminiscing about seeing the first one in theaters back when, actually, Al, back when I lived in Hoboken. That the, I, don't yeah. know, I don't know if we ever went to that theater with me uh, that was over there, but I don't think I ever went with you when you lived in Hoboken. It was just like a, it was just like a random middle of the week. We couple of friends were over we had some dinner we we're like let's go see a movie this is out we should see this we see all the other marvel movies why not and we go to see it i'm like oh no this might be one of the best if not the best one right now and i was like where did that come from and it's it's just been riding that ever since it's like this it came out of nowhere it's it's so well scripted the performances are great the chemistry which is key in something like this with an ensemble cast is just so strong, so witty. They have a lot of freedom, I think, because people aren't familiar, myself included, with like the source material. Um, and it, I don't know, man. They just they just shaped it in such an incredible way that like it 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 feels more like the MCU than a lot of the MCU does. Yeah, I think this these movies shouldn't really work. Because there isn't that sort of appeal. Like, you are going to get so many people in the doors. And not just in the doors. I'm not even talking just with the financial stuff. I'm talking about buy-in um, when you have a Spider-Man or a Batman movie. When you have something like that. Like, there is connection to those types of characters. That there's People are going to want it to succeed. Now, mm-hmm. that may mean they judge with a very harshly critical eye. But people want those things to succeed. You have to match those expectations. There's almost no expectations for this. At least not the first one. And it's why it could have been a a commercial flop, even if it was a critical success. Hmm. And it ended up being both on the force of excellent writing and direction and tremendous performances. And it's not even... We're not talking about... um, Like, one of the... Like a Sorkin-esque script or... uh, you know, um, but what's the name of that guy we've talked about him a million times? Who like who wrote like um, Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, and stuff like that? I, the the playwright turned um, movie writer who I just can't think of his name. Uh, who wrote incredible dialogue, incredible scripts. You don't need that. What there is is a fundamental understanding and vision of who these characters are, how they interface with each other, and why we should care about. Them. Character yeah. writing is deeply important writing, even if it's not gonna win you oscars for script and these movies, david mamet that's Sorry. it these movies <laughs> no i appreciate the interruption um these movies thrive on the back of a clarity of vision of who these characters are how they'll interact with each other how and why they'll react to certain things and what what growth and permutations of their interactions that that will foment down the line they've nailed that every step of the way because I think the first movie is a really good movie. I think the second one is entertaining. But it it succeeds 
because of how well the characters all interact with each other, even though there's a lot of other flaws with that movie that yeah. make you overlook it. And this one is the perfect crystallization of all of that, where you're getting them in the best of times, the worst of times, the most direst of stakes and the lightest of affairs. Mm. Like I love, I love Drax and Mantis together. <laughs> Anytime they're doing something, whether it's serious or stupid, yep. You've got me hooked. I just want to see what's going to happen next because it's the stupidest combination and it works so well. Yeah. Every time. And it's because those characters, we understand those characters so well. They play off each other so well. And the actors themselves play off each other so well and have such a great and natural or, you know, organic chemistry to that. Why didn't you say you spoke their language? You didn't ask. Blew <laughs> <laughs> <Move> me away. <laughs> well, even no. five, five minutes before that, too, like when. When when um, Nebula is going after Drax and Mantis, but mostly Drax, and Mantis is defending him by saying how stupid he is, he's like, yeah. I'm not entirely sure that I appreciate how <laughs> this line of defense, this line of defense, <laughs> which is from such a heartfelt place that he's willing to accept it, even though he doesn't like it, and he doesn't like it so much because sometimes the truth hurts. He knows. Yep. That, like, yeah, he's not actually stupid, but he does and says a lot of stupid shit. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Nelson, okay. sorry. No, you're good. Did, did you guys see the holiday special? Yes. yes. Okay. So, yeah. Drax and Mantis. Amazing. So good. Kevin Bacon. Great. Yes. <laughs> Getting drunk and kidnapping Kevin Bacon. <laughs> Incredible. The, what, he, what Drax refers to as Candy Cane as a little... You got to keep your little guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that's so it's so ridiculous. How, so Nelson, how does your uh, what was your mileage with the Guardians of the Galaxy? Like, did you know, or were you familiar with the property at all before the movies or anything like that, or just kind of when? No, uh, no, I'm not a huge comic book reader, but I do read up when I do like when I saw this was coming out. I looked at the cast list, and I knew that like. Adam Warlock was gonna be a character. I did like a small little like dig into it. Um, sure, I'm a big MCU guy. I I watch almost everything. There's probably like very few that I haven't seen. Maybe like one or two TV shows. Um, I was a huge fan of Guardians from the very beginning. Al knows this. Whenever he listens to one of my playlists, <laughs> he he knows it right off the bat. Well, so Dominic had a, a barbecue two weeks ago, and Nelson put it on, and like. The first three songs were all straight off of the first two movies, and like within like an hour or so, it was like I was like, "This is literally half of the soundtrack <laughs> of the first two movies." I was like, it's "Like it's 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 like actually uncanny how much of this is directly like pulled from those." Yeah, That's they're great. great, and I think the movies do a great job of using them. You know, and it, it's not supposed to work. You know, this mm-hmm. misfits, but I think James Gunn does a phenomenal job especially in this last one, trying to cap it off in a very clean way and kind of hand it off because he's not coming back. Yeah. Um, so I think he did great. I loved everything about it. I mean, he set a sight so high, and I think whether it's a feature or a bug in comics lore, and I'm not an expert, before the first movie came out, when they announced the first movie, I literally knew three things. I knew the Guardians of the Galaxy existed. Mm-hmm. I knew Check. that the, I knew that there was a raccoon in a tree. That's all Check. I knew about them. <laughs> and so, like, I didn't like have a lot of personal hype. I saw the first trailer, and then I was like, "Oh, this looks like 
I'm never probably going to get a Mass Effect movie in my life, so I get a Marvel Mass Effect movie. And it turns out, like, in the run-up to that, you find out James Gunn is a massive Mass Effect fan. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I can literally see that in the DNA of this movie, and, like, that's the best I'm going to get out of all of this. <laughs> and then they crush all of it, and there's, there's so many different iterations of the Guardians, I think, in comics, uh, which allows them to both have fairly low expectations and also to get really creative with what stories they want to tell and how they want to tell them. There's so many different versions where Gamora or Nebula or both are part of it, or Yondu's a part of it, where Adam Warlock is a part of it, or Adam Warlock is a villain. We see both of those things in this movie. Mm. Um, Mantis being part of it or not, being the situation with Ego or other iterations. I mean, I played... Me and Anthony talked about it a bunch in the last two years. Um, he played a little bit. I played the whole thing when I had COVID last year. The Guardians of the Galaxy game that came out, um, I guess it was like a year and a half ago. Mm-hmm. It's a fantastic game. And really? there's so much inspiration from the movies. But it tells a very different story with some pretty crucial differences, even though it's the same core team. It's it's the same team that we've had in these movies. It's Gamora, Rocket, Drax, and, uh, and Groot. And like that's it. Mantis kind of flits in and out of the story. Adam is presented as an antagonist when you first meet him. Then he joins up, and exactly. then he goes back to the other side again, and then he joins back up. It's it's a whole thing, and that, like that's part of it. These they're always ricocheting off of each other, and who's leaving, who's coming, who's dead, who's alive, who's whatever in all mm. of this, and the you know the uh, the abiding versions of their stories, no matter what, is that they're gonna be obnoxious. And they're going to want to make each other rip their hair out of their heads, but they're always going to be there for each other. And that's what this story tells from start to finish, despite all of the different versions of how they interact with each other. Yeah. Ah, so it's so wonderful to touch on a couple things there. So circling back to the music, I think one of the things that is incredible about it is it would have been easy to just do the right Yes, music's going to play a role because Peter left when he'd left and he has this Walkman and like that's like a big thing, right? Like, so it would have been easy to just like, let's grab a couple songs from this decade and throw them on. Let's grab a couple songs from this decade and throw them on. But that's not what they did. They choose songs that work in every, in each moment. Like they'll, it'll be like lyrically, stylistically, it all matches what's happening in the movie. And I don't know, like the, I can't imagine the research that goes into actually pulling that off properly because you could feel it. Like when you're listening to the tracks or like even I mean Nelson it sounds like you listen to the playlist I'm, <laughs> I, I do it myself but like I will vividly remember scenes from the movie just from listening to like a song that played during that moment because like they are so tightly coupled like the way that they like that is an art form in itself and that is I think they just did an incredible job with that throughout all three movies um I'll say I, I appreciated that you know the way that the music worked in all of them depending on which needle drop it is and what sequence of the movie it is, is it a theme? Is it narrative? Uh-huh. Is it just because we want to hear a cool song? <laughs> yeah. Like, And the, having that versatility, right, where we have songs... Is it that, all of these? It, yeah, it all often these? it's all of these. I mean, like the, yeah. first, the first one is really heavily driven by these are songs that his mom gave him. Yeah. And it makes sense... For, well, they're all from a certain time period because it's from when she's young and it's Peter's last connection. So we get a lot of theme and, and, and plot essentially in that, right? Or th- sorry, theme and character in, in that one. The second one, it's 
less on the character perspective. Like, yeah, it was his last gift from his mother, but that doesn't end up being as important. Really. It's just a, de- a device, but we get those songs thematically really fit with what's going on. And then we continue on that one with this as well. We no longer have the connection to character anymore. These are just, we've had a refresh. It's been the first time that Peter has been on earth in 30 years or whatever. And he just lets what, what new things are there. And it's very theme driven and it's character driven because a lot of it's through rockets eyes. Now as he's trying to find something to fill the hole in his chest and Peter's carrying on a certain amount of it. And we get some, some story drops too, where some of these songs really sync up well to what's going on in the movie itself. I really appreciated the new approach, the third one, because I think it kept things fresh. Uh, yeah. And plus I just like a lot of those songs. So that was cool too. For, for sure. It, we talked a lot about like characters and the writing of those characters being obviously incredibly strong. I think what's, what's really awesome is it, obviously in the first movie we get, I, I love like, you know, it was a, it was a more unique origin story because like, we're like, we're introducing this ensemble. Right. And we like did this whole thing of like, let's pull them together. Who are they individually? Who are they together? Like, how is this going to work? They're all kind of at odds, but like eventually they come together. And in the second one, they are, they, there's a lot of bickering, right. But especially between Peter and rocket and, They've clearly, like, they've been working together for a while. They're close. They have, like, their tightened moments, but they also get on each other's nerves. And, like, that'll be consistent for the next movies as well. But, like, I think there was something there. It's, like, even though this is, like, we get frustrated and mad with each other, like, this is, they have they have become this family. And I think that is so, so cool. Like, then we have that. In the third movie, they're a little, everybody's a little bit adrift. Like, because all of the events of the previous, like, uh, you know, Thanos, all of it, like all of this stuff has happened already. And they're all dealing with the fallout of that in their own way, right? Like some characters are like, like Mantis, like, who am I actually? And Drax maybe doesn't have anything to fight for anymore, but he's still fighting, like, you know, just doing this thing. Peter is clearly going through all of the stages of grief. And it's kind of interesting to watch him going through that throughout the movie. And Rocket, like, they're just peeling back layers of the onion. Like, why is Rocket? Like, why is why is he the way he is? Like, I'll raise you one. Why is Gamora? Why is Gamora? <laughs> uh, and then, like, and then you know, ne- Nebula. Like, you start to see like people are starting to recognize really how far her arc has gone and like how how far she's come. She's and like kind of the tr- the Trojan horse in this story because we've gotten so much time with the, the rest of them and it's. Drax figuring out how to let go of his hate. It's Rocket trying to figure out how to trust. Mm-hmm. It's Peter figuring out how to be responsible, mature. Mantis figuring out how to be. For Nebula, it was trying to figure out how to let go of the hate and learn how to love. It's something that she had never done. I mean, I've never noticed your eyes before. Yeah. Oh, that great. Well, I don't know, it's not even necessarily a romantic love. Like she, I know. <laughs> she's never had a single love her positive, like herself. Yeah, she like, never had a single positive relationship in her life. Her most positive relationship is with someone who whipped her entire ass on a daily basis. Yeah, she hates Gamora, but she still loves her because it's the only person like it's the only person she doesn't actually truly want to kill. Even like all the time that she tries to, she doesn't actually want to kill her. You realize that when she finally is like, it was never about killing you. It was about having someone to commiserate through the misery. You wouldn't even give me that. Mm-hmm. At least not overtly. 
and her figuring out how to, to, to be not a murderous psychopath. Like that's like deeply important. Even if they don't say a lot of those things, they kind of show it right throughout this movie, which is probably more important for the most part. And then, and then through it all, you just have Groot who is just, I feel like pure, like through the whole thing. Like, he goes through his various stages. He Benjamin buttons his way through the series, but <laughs> it's like it, it's it's awesome. And like uh, I mean, very it, as cheesy as it was, glad they gave him a line at the end. Like I I thought that was really cool. And it's just like, but he is he's just a very consistent character. He's just there, and he's like uh, he protects Rocket at all costs, and then that extends to he protects the Guardians at all costs. Uh, even if that means throwing himself on the line, which he does on many occasions. And I just like, I feel like there's something, he's like almost like a control in this group. Groot is Groot always. Like, even if they're bickering at some point, like, you know, when he was like teenage Groot or whatever, like he's always, he's always got the whole team. He's got them all. Like that's, and I think that's something really awesome about that character, Um, which is, it's just, it's so silly. It's so silly to feel anything for this tree that says I am Groot and nothing else. But you do. Yeah. You do. <laughs> well, part of it is the expressiveness of his face. And part mm. of it is they do such a great job of characterizing what he's saying. I did appreciate this new Gamora. So you guys are just like making up what he's saying. Yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. That that was hilarious. And then the just the the act, the perfect punchline on all of that. Like after all was said and done, after all of the chaos, the very end. Yeah, tell them I'll be right. Yeah, she understands. Like, I, she I just understand you. <laughs> and like his little his little smirk. <laughs> He's like, yeah, you got it. <laughs> I feel like a lot of his characterization was driven by the second movie when he was like. A, a baby mm. and that just drove a lot of people like oh he's a cute little baby he's learning <laughs> do i press this button no you don't press this button do i press this button no you don't that's the button you don't press <laughs> out of the tape who's got tape yeah <laughs> I, I honestly what it might be my favorite post-credit scene though is what i agree with that, that snarky tone yeah yeah <laughs> well you can't understand what the yeah. fuck he's saying and it doesn't matter because you either have done whoa, yeah. You, you, you've either been the one doing it, or you've been on the receiving end of that tone, and you know a hundred percent the words don't matter. The tone says it all. Oh, uh, so true. And so a lot of this movie focuses around Rocket. And it makes sense because we've held back that story to this point. Yeah, but like even that, right? Like, what? A, what a ridiculous concept. First off. And then to to flesh that out in such a way that, I mean, it, I was extremely emotional through that entire ordeal. I should I not like, care about a CGI walrus. I shouldn't. Yeah. And I was, all I could think about when that was over was like, man, like, this is everything Tim Burton wants to be. But this reaches such, such a bigger audience. <laughs> like, it's just complete nonsense, weird ass, creepy characters with heart. But... I don't know, man. It's just, it's so much better here and it's so much more complete. Uh, like to like, and you really like, as that story is unfolding, especially rocket in like the trend, like maybe transitioning into an afterlife moment, that, that particular scene of like, where just the, the fact that it's like this anthropomorphic raccoon and uh, like all of that just kind of melts away. 
and you're just like watching this character. It's just a character, like a fully realized character. And and you just it doesn't matter how bizarre it is, like because everything else is so strong. And it's like, how do you do that? <laughs> like, what an art form. <laughs> I um, you know, obviously it's it's a testament to the the writing and the and the performing because like yeah, like they did a, a good job with the CGI. I mean, like they. There's some scenes where you could almost look past it. Some scenes where it's like, okay, it's CGI. Whatever. Like, you know you're looking at CGI. And yeah. for an like, extended period of time. But how expressive they were with the creatures, it it, it it really comes back to the the writing and the performances. And they all did a tremendous job. And, you know, you, you, you will feel something for these characters. But specifically, the thing that really, like, got to me was when it's this close that their dream... And it's you can see it tearing apart around them, and they're now in the middle of a desperate try attempt at escape for their life. And the rabbit is screaming. I don't remember what she was saying, but screaming about wanting to go as the, as they're about to come and kill all of them. Mm-hmm. Oh my god! Like that, yeah, got me because it's just it's just the innocence of these characters. Like we already have this subconscious thought towards animals right like you know when you watch john wick you care more about the dog getting killed than you do about the 50 henchmen (laughs) um or even john's wife because it mostly happens off screen anyway right like you're already gonna have that for cute little animals and then to like graft onto that like like kind of the purity of these beings that are just trying to be that are told the worst lie possible, right? Like you have been through terrible suffering, but on the back end, you will get to have joy, right? And then to have it so coldly and callously extinguished, and to hear the panic and all of that—it's—it's it's like again, you shouldn't feel—you shouldn't feel this for these fake animals that yeah. are CGI, and you—and you still do, and that—that's a testament to, like I said, writing and performance there. Yeah, what a movie. <laughs> <laughs> I. So let's talk about the big bad of the film, the high evolutionary. And here's something interesting that I, I, I was a little bit nervous going in because, and this is what the rest of the this current phase of the MCU has been stumbling with, but I feel like they nailed it with Guardians Volume 3, is they're chasing, I feel like they're chasing the bigger villain. Right, like, okay, we have to make this thing bigger than the last one, right? It was always like, going to be a danger when... You- Thanos is such a complex, yeah. fascinating villain. It was always going to be tough to find someone as compelling and at the same time who's able to ratchet the stakes to a point that, you know, it matters. Yeah, like this universal scale. And yeah. I think what they instead decided to do was they just narrowed the focus way down. Like, it doesn't have to be this big, like, universal issue. It could be a smaller thing that's going on. That is terrible. And well, like they, impacting they a, a job lot of, of... They did a good job of balancing both, right? Like Because like the implications... The, yeah. the writing is such that the implications mm-hmm. in there were this could be a terrifying thing for everyone. Right. But it's not. This is a small story. Right. And then, and then and deeply personal because it actually ties all the way back to Rocket and like his origin. And like the way that they wove that in... Like, that was just like that was masterclass in like in like navigating the MCU and like still managing to separate this property into its own trilogy while still letting it be part of this grand timeline that is the MCU. Like 
the rest of the of this current phase has stumbled a lot with that and like they almost trying too hard to make it cohesive and not letting each thing have its own identity Whereas this is like, no, we, we've got, we've got experience. <laughs> like we've got, you, you the Guardians argue, have been around a bit now. <laughs> you, you could probably argue that this one actually might've stood alone too much. It does. It's not to the detriment of the movie, but to the greater MCU, it, it might be. I, I don't, I would argue against that point. Hmm. This is just me thinking for the next few movies. We know Avengers Secret Wars is coming out in a few years. I think purposely they decided to separate them, which is kind of what you saw pre-Infinity War, where a lot of them were separated. And if you think to the future, Thor's still around, but you don't have Iron Man, Captain America. You don't have the strong names pulling. And so people are going to be pulling for Guardians to kind of team back up. Mm. Like they wanted the Avengers to team back up. But I don't think they will, though. Um, Exactly. I I mean, at the end, we saw... You know, it says Star Lord will return, which is different. The mm-hmm. last two said the Guardians will return. This one said, "Was it the Mighty Star Lord will return or something like yeah. that?" Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so Chris Pratt's back. Star Lord will be back, and I suspect you could probably retain Rocket and Groot because how much work is it really for Bradley Cooper to go in a f- sound booth for seven hours to <laughs> to do all? The I don't know. Have you ever have you ever watched him? No. He goes very into it. Yeah. No, I, that's fine. My, my point is he could fit in a day or two of audio sure. recording. Uh, and same thing with Vin Diesel. He could record 57 versions of I Am Groot in a day. Um, but I would he's suspect... he got to do it for every language, though. I don't think he does. He, he does it for like three or four languages, I believe. Oh, three yeah. or four. <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't suspect or overstated that. I don't suspect that Gamora will be back. I, we mm. we know that Drax won't be. Um, it's just it's too much. Dave Bautista has been trying to get out of this role. I, I think he enjoys it, but it, the toll on him. I mean, he was shirtless the whole first movie. He was wearing thick clothing this entire movie. It's not it's not a criticism. It, it's just he's getting older. Mm-hmm. He, it's really hard for him to stay in shape to do this role. He's been saying that. He's he's not been hiding the fact that it's very sure. difficult for him to continue to stay in shape. I also he, can't imagine the, the like the makeup. There's that too, but I I think that's the the so lowest much. on the totem pole. Of that I, I think it's at this point in his life, it's without steroids, it's really hard to stay that sort of physique after fifty. Sure. I don't think he can do it anymore, and I don't criticize him for that anymore. I'm gonna miss him. Definitely. Yeah, I think he incredible character is the straw that stirs the drink. But I totally, completely understand why he doesn't want to do it anymore. It's got to be a terrible burden physically. Yeah. Um, so I, he's not going to be back, and I don't think Zoe Saldana will be back. I could be wrong, but based on the way that that character left off, I just don't think she'll be back. And and, and honestly, this is all probably for the best. Like you, you can still use utilize some of these characters if they want to ret- if they're willing to return. And they want to maybe do something a little bit different with them, but like we did Guardians and we did it three times. Like we don't, we don't need to keep doing it. So it's probably a good thing that it takes a new shape. Sure, right? that, that's fine. And we at the end we got a, an indication, right? You know, we know Rocket's still around. He's running the new group that's around. Adams yeah. there. He's on the the chessboard for us to use going forward. Um, mm-hmm. Craglin's around to whatever extent, but with James Love, love Gun, oh, me too. But with James Gun gone, I don't know if Sean Gun's still gonna stick around necessarily. I mean, it's a, it's a paycheck. 
but you know he's not gonna be tired. Uh, he's to gonna see. follow his meal ticket to the DC universe. Oh yeah, probably. Um, I hated him as Weasel so much. Oh my um, god, <laughs> and uh, I'm missing. There dog. was someone else who was part of the new guard. The, the dog. Well, Cosmo. And Cosmo's <laughs> easy. Um, There's someone else, too, though, wasn't there? Wasn't Did you say Mantis? Was Mantis still part? No, she went off on no, her she own. Went oh, no, she, yeah, she, she left, yeah. And I wouldn't be surprised if she's back, necessarily. But uh, she's always. I think she's great as a supporting character mm-hmm. to all of it. But my, my point is, we will have, uh, let's call it 50% of these this extended character group back in some form for Secret Wars. Oh, yeah. My my original point was just that I think that making this a very uh, a more personal and smaller story was fantastic for this movie. Mm-hmm. And don't begrudge him that. But you could argue as for the health of the MCU itself, it's it's a standalone movie. It's not super helpful to what's going to come next necessarily. Yeah, sure. Until they figure out a way to tie it in, uh, they will eventually. Just, there's, they didn't really seed anything with this specifically. Like, the characters could come over and be helpful, but like they didn't like yeah. seed any storylines or whatever. It was it was really interesting with the first Guardians that it really was the gateway into. I feel like understanding like like the that the cosmic, cosmic universe yes. and Absolutely. and what Thanos will actually mean and all that. So that was it. Really was an incredible bridge movie. That one that was, yeah. felt like yeah, like it. It did stand on its own until you realize that everything that they introduced and all of the characters that were at play were going to be like crucial points of the main storyline of that Avengers saga. That was also the whole movie concerned in Infinity Stone. Like we don't have the corroborating version of that for this. Right. Back to the High Evolutionary, though, I did actually want to talk about a little bit more. Yeah. Um, Hear what you guys think about this. Uh, I was a little skeptical in the promotional stuff. I didn't know anything about the character Same. coming in. Um, but I was a little bit skeptical. I was just like, I didn't know what it was going to be about. It's like, okay, this is Rocket's origin. We've purposefully probably held a lot of that back. Like, we know he's been through some rough stuff. He's more been showing us, like, the scars and all that. Uh, his attachment issues. I really liked how they meted out the story throughout the course of it, where we didn't just get a dump of the flashback. We got to kind of savor the pieces of it as we went along and really understand the depths of the cruelty because running parallel to that in the present day storylines, we, we get the little snippets of the high evolutionary throughout. He's cold. He's calculating. He's brilliant. He has a plan. We don't know what it is exactly. Like we know, okay, like he wants to create like the perfect being or whatever. Great. Like what is the implications for that to this story and to the world at large, whatever. But it never seems personal. Like everything's always personal to someone, even when you know whatever. It's oh, it's not personal. It's just business, whatever. Well, it's not personal for you. It's personal for the person on the the, the business end of this, right? What I found so compelling about this because my my initial like my preconceived fears were were kind of justified in the first third of this movie or so. Because I was like, oh, like this is kind of just uh, he's doing his thing. He's just going to be this cold robotic villain. The way they unveiled in the second and third act his mania and how his hubris actually held him back. It was actually kind of succession-esque. How his hubris held back his ability to actually do what he wanted to do because he Mm. thought he was so above everything that he created. Like, he wanted to be... Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) He wanted to be you know, this god of this story, right? We've seen yep. gods, mm-hmm. literally, in the case of Thor and Zeus and 
kind of metaphorically in the case of the Celestials, like we got a bit of that story last edition with Ego. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I found so interesting about him was it wasn't just that it ended up being more personal that he lit on. We saw the depths of his cruelty, like the callousness and the coldness. I think you'd be willing to just give him as okay. He's smarter and better than everyone. Great. He's got these grand designs. They fall short. He disposes of what he doesn't need. But when he tells Rocket that he's not going to be part of the Counter Earth, the depths of the cruelty of that. Not just, I mean, we already know that's where the story's heading because we've watched him incinerate test subjects that didn't work out. Yep. But he, this is the first time he lets the masks down. Yeah. He revels in telling him what a useless piece of shit he is. Yeah. I was not prepared for that. That's where this villain finally hooked me. It was about halfway through the movie or so. Where it's like, oh, it's not just that you're a cold calculating bastard. You get off on this, even though you play like you don't, and that I found. Well, I I don't I don't know that it's necessarily uh, that it's like that cut and dry, like because he's obviously he has a god complex, like that's his whole character, right? But what it really came down to was he kind of created Rocket, and it turns out Rocket is smarter than him, and he was pissed about that. So it was vindictive, like he was like he was an. It wasn't just that he was like, oh, it, it's fun to deny you this. It's like, it's more so like he's punishing Rocket because he's so mad that he is smarter than him. Well, Rocket had a really good line at the very end uh, where he's like, it's not like you wanted to create the perfect world. It's like you hated the world that you live in right now. Mm-hmm. And I think that kind of finds both of them, A, Rocket maturing, and then B, him, the high evolutionary, just never being happy, never being satisfied, always pushing for more. And he couldn't even get to that more level that Rocket was already at. Mm. Anthony, I think you're right also that like there's an element of, like, okay, there's an envy and a jealousy there. It takes him a while to figure out. But the thing is, he could have just killed Rocket like he was anticipating doing, and just like, oh, whatever. He really twists the knife. Yeah, because he's and, pissed. Sure. Um, he, the rest of them, he just hand waves away. It's like, eh, kill him. It's fine. Like but he doesn't. He wasn't. He wasn't like getting off on killing the rest of them. He was just like, yeah, hey, dis- dispose of these. They're not. They're not. But you, you're gonna die. Like, <laughs> like yeah. it's just like so. <laughs> but, but it's it's further like it, that's you're right. That is an insult to his intelligence mm-hmm. that the thing that he created saw something he didn't see, but what causes him much more pain is realizing that not only was he outsmarted on on just one little thing, but his own desire to prove to everyone else, right? It's the the imposter syndrome that I guess that he's trying to get rid of that you wouldn't Mm -hmm. possibly suppose that he has has led him to actually getting it even more wrong. He's doubled down on it because by getting rid of the one thing he needed, he can't, he doesn't realize how many mistakes he's going to make along the line and that he needs whatever innovation that he actually had within Rocket. Yep. Um, And it's also, I guess it works towards his own vanity, right? Because he creates this actual literal mask to cover his scars. And it's, I don't know how to, how to connect it exactly, but, 
the only actual his whole perfect society doesn't work in any way shape or form because he doesn't actually learn anything from all those experiences right and the one thing he actually learned he discarded in his vanity yeah he just just so it's so (laughs) frustrating how he like it makes me so mad the way he keeps starting over just like blowing away planets that he's creating he's like oh that didn't work try again yeah, you, and you made that decision so quickly. Yeah. You think about it, those mil- billions of souls, he just like... It's eh. so nasty. Torch them. Yep. I, uh... It was a great performance, too. Like, just... Yeah. Like, very I eerie. He, I don't think I've seen him He's in Peacemaker. There's a, a lot of people in this that uh, are in Peacemaker. I still haven't actually seen that. Um, you could see that James Gunn has brought a lot of his characters from the DC Universe into his final saga with <laughs> Marvel. And there's still a lot of those characters are still alive and running in Peacemaker. Okay. So in Peacemaker season two, you'll probably see him again. And if you haven't seen Peacemaker, please add it to that your list. No, I I liked right. his Suicide Squad. I just I actually I kind of forgot about that show. I, I did want to watch it and I just never got to it. I uh, I've got the IMDb page pulled up for this movie, and there's a character in the movie who I don't remember who the character was, um, but the character's name is. Sarayami. The only reason I'm bringing this up is the way the character's name is spelled is S S S S A R A I A M I. I'm have to look it up. I don't remember. Played by Sarah Alami. <laughs> it's no way. Just like, just like messed with her actual name. <laughs> I actually kind of like when movies. Are That's very silly. I like is that she, stuff. Is she one of the high evolutionaries? Like assistance? I, like I don't know. I don't. That's the one thing I don't love about. Uh, like, it gives me the actor in their name, but it doesn't give me any details on who the character is. <laughs> Maybe it's because it's a. Yeah. No. That's weird. Like, I can click on the character name. Still nothing. Interesting. But anyway, I thought that was silly. I. Uh, yeah. Will Will Poulter like is his Adam Warlock character. I kind of love this concept of he's like this crazy, strong, ridiculous character, but it's like he was not finished baking. Like yes. I love that. That it was like it's just such a <laughs> silly little thing they did. But like he's just kind of dumb and it's great. But he's but he's too powerful. And when when he incinerates that one guy, like, like we gotta interrogate him. Like he just incinerates the person like we can't get the answers from him if he's <laughs> boiled. <laughs> like what? <laughs> I mean, what? What did she say? Like, 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 prove a point or something like that, or like, yeah. Like, and he just, <laughs> he just incinerates. <laughs> oh my god! It's so, that's then so, he gets so ridiculous. a little animal. I forgot the animal's name. Oh yeah, the 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 pet. He takes the pet from him. That's right. I don't yeah. know, that little pet actually made it into the guardians at the very end. Yeah, I think he was with them in the <laughs> that's the final, awesome. The final bit, um, yeah. This was an interesting take on on Adam, um, comparing him to the Guardians game. Adam, they both have the same superiority complex. Uh, that Adam was a little bit more well baked, I guess, because he's further on in his life. Mm. Um, <laughs> that what was interesting about that character was he would speak in. It wasn't limericks, but like it was in like metered verse mm. where like he would have like a it wasn't like I I don't think it was iambic pentameter, but like he would speak in like 
this particular cadence that often ended in a rhyme. <laughs> and a lot of it was, uh, or it would have like consonants or dissonance. Like he was basically spoke poetically. It was obnoxious and they started making fun of it like subtly in the game. This one obviously was not doing that, but it was funny because he was basically like a teenager. He's a, he's a moron. And yeah, like some of the, like the, the petty and childish shit that he's trying to do in within it is, it, it makes for a source of decent comedy and, and also some interesting plot stuff. Like, I mean, boiling the person alive or whatever is, would seem to be holding back with the investigation they're trying to do. Um, he's out to prove himself and it's interesting to see, you know, his reaction to his quote unquote mother dying. Yeah. Like it ends up being, he does, it does feel like he's sidelined from the main plot for too much of the movie. Mm-hmm. I think they did a good job of dovetailing him back in. Yeah, it, it's kind of interesting because I feel like they teased him at the end of the first movie. Yeah. And they never really closed that loop, but they'd maybe like they were able to use him, but maybe like not the first, was, the second movie. Was it the second one? Yeah. Yeah, the second one. But they, they teased it, and then like so much time had passed, and it's like it almost seems like they didn't quite know what they wanted to do with the character, but definitely, but felt like they needed to close the loop. So. Like if you if you remove the character entirely, it, not much changes <laughs> with yeah. the rest of the movie. So it's it's kind of throwaway. But I don't think that's that's no fault of the performance. It's just the obviously it's like the the writing was not fleshed out for it. But um, I, actually, I guess you could make an argument if you're talking about like where this is gonna fit in with the greater MCU. Maybe it's just introducing it. Yeah, I, that's pro- and it'll probably he'll probably play a bigger role later for sure. Um, I would counter argument this. If he never tried to go get Rocket in the beginning, then Rocket would never have. But that's just a plot device. Yeah, like it's not. It's yeah. not like a full character. character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, interesting, but all in all, fun. I loved when they go to the first off when when they're on that that planet. They're fun going to the high evolutionary. They're they're trying to communicate with the locals and it's not going very well in the beginning. That was a little slapstick, but I kind of love that uh, type of thing. Uh, your your callback to the couch sequence. Oh my just gosh. perfect, perfect uh, uh, Dax. Like just, it's Drax, like perfect. Just exactly what I want from that character. Like keeps, keeps trying to lay on the couch. <laughs> in the slow motion where, where Quill's just like, I can see you. Stop yeah. laying down on the couch. That was so that entire banter sequence. I was I was dying. It was it was probably one of the funniest sequences I've seen in the Guardians trilogy. It was yeah, great. <laughs> I love it. I love it so much. And then Slowly. get your boots off her pillows. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it, it has it, it's it was made for this. It was made for three people to sit next to each other, shoulder to shoulder. I'm just saying it's oblong in shape. It could have multiple purposes. I, I find it hard to believe that it doesn't have more than one purpose. <laughs> I, and then I just love that during all of this, like this bickering, Nebula cracks open the soda and drinks it, and she's like, like kind of smiles for the first time in yeah. these delicious. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, that was great! And then getting into the car, just, just what a wonderful. <laughs> what a wonderful first f bomb in the MCU! Yes, yes, yes. that's <laughs> the only the one, right? King door. <laughs> <laughs> I also loved. You gotta just this. pull. You gotta push the button. Don't just pull. No, don't pull. You have to push the button, then pull. 
The pushing the button? Yes. Now open the fucking door. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was truly not prepared for that, and I really appreciated Same. that. Um, I also really enjoyed um, going back to the idea of like Drax and Mantis having like the classic CC and Winston mess around energy. Mm. Um, when when Drax clotheslines the guy on the motorcycle, oh, that's wonderful. and then yes. gets on the motorcycle, and she's like. What are you doing? He goes, oh, we're just nothing. Just get on. Why? Just just get on. Where are we going? We're just going to go to the ship. And the ship's literally right there in the yeah. background. We could just walk over there. No, it's fine. We'll just we'll just drive over there. <laughs> <laughs> and she still gets on for some yeah. stupid reason. Then they immediately drive the other direction. <laughs> and, and then, which leads to the wonderful miscommunication for like the rest of that act of like, Everybody thinks everybody is somewhere else. It's just like, it's just too, it's almost too much. <laughs> but I kind of love it. Peter's stuck on the ship. Peter's not stuck on the ship. <laughs> he thinks they're, that, but they, no, but they're stuck on the ship. It's, it's like, who's on first? <laughs> uh, yeah. And also, how are we supposed to know that you got off the ship? Because this is my thing. I barely get out alive by figuring something stupid out that works. Oh, that's the plan? Is you're going to figure out something stupid that works? <laughs> yeah, it always works. <laughs> oh, man. Using that guy as a as a body shield was... You'll kill us both. No, just, just one of us. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. I, I love when movie. they first got to that planet where... Drax just kicks the, the, ball. the ball right at the kid right as they're trying to be peaceful and then that poor lady she drags him into her house trying to help how to be helpful and the husband's like oh not again like this, like this happens all the time right I also liked that I thought that was a fair bit of like kind of subtle storytelling where it's like this is the perfect society they show us in flashback we're we're using this formula they won't have the ability to like hate or whatever, and they make a small mistake, and all of them start attacking. We don't get any commentary, no leading questions, no nothing. We see the drug dealing, whatever, and it's like, yeah. oh wow, he is that much of a complete failure. It's before we see the cracks in him where he's really letting on how much that it's wearing on him that this experiment isn't working, and how he needs to give in and get Rocket. That's why he's been hunting him this whole time is because he has made barely to himself the admission that he needs to fix this and that that's the only way to do it. It's something he won't give to his underlings because that would shatter the illusion. You know, the, uh, one one flaw I have for the writing of that character, and it could, it could be something that maybe f- got cut, but just a little bit of an explanation of his powers. Like his like, yeah. anti-gravity or gravity power, like whatever it was that he was able to manipulate, like it it was unclear. I, I don't like when I have no concept of what the rules are to the powers slash like, I don't know, you get Loki, right? And then there's, you know, he's the god of mischief. He has all these weird, and like, it's it's passable. Like, the things that he can do, it works with what we've established about the character. And then the things that don't quite make sense are written in as being like powers that he's able to wield with the staff specifically. Like, okay, cool. Got it. Like, I understand. I understand the concept. I understand if a new thing uh, comes up, it's either something a Loki can do or like that he's getting out of this step. Great. This guy, like, just you're up in the air. You're on the ground. Like, I like what? Like what? What? 
was it? Like, what was he doing? What was happening? That's like some sort of tool that he built, but it didn't really seem like there was any sort of gauntlet or thing in play. Like, is it telekinesis? If so, what's the explanation as to why he has this kind of power? Like, I don't know. Like, even Mantis, right? Mantis is an empath, but, like, she was created by Ego to be a certain way. We got that explanation. It doesn't, like, it's not, it didn't just happen. Like, this is, here's an explanation of why you're able to do this thing. I don't, I didn't understand what the, like, what those, like, weapons that he basically had were. My headcanon is that there's dozens, if not more, of these people in the vast space that MCU occupies, right? Like, Ego is another one of them, right? And you're to keep on coming across these people. It's just, you know, a part of the MCU and the Marvel Universe. It's just, he's not the only one. And his, if you think about the, this entire movie, which takes place within a very few planets, mm-hmm. um, whereas a lot of the other stuff takes place along, like, very different planets, right? Like, Thor's on his own world. You know, the early Avengers movies are on their own play. You know, like, you think about it, Earth is so vast. There's so much going on, you know. That's my headcanon. Sure. I agree well, with you. And, it is, it is a writing fair. flaw. The, the, like the, the, that's fair. The only thing like with like somebody like Ego, again, like that is a, like he's a celestial. Okay, what does that mean? We get a little bit of a hint of what that means and why, and like then you can kind of hand wave some of the things that he does. I don't know anything more really about this character. Like extremely intelligent and a god complex that stuff was written and i understood and it made sense but yeah like just like what what are all these things what are the rules (laughs) (laughs) so i i had a thought at some point in the movie that because the first time you see him use those powers it's on rocket Mm -hmm. and so i wondered if it was something that was just that he had designed that was tied to rocket's physiology created him but then he uses it on Almost Will, like a restraining bolt of sort of sorts. later, so yeah, so like that kind of threw that theory out the window. Mm-hmm. I was confused about it too. I thought about it some, and so I wonder if it was just meant to be. Did he develop some implant that he put in himself, where it's like okay, the peak of evolution for an organic like being would be. To develop a telekinesis, basically, mm, like, maybe, yeah, maybe. and this is okay. just the highest form of that because, he, yeah, other than that, he's not super physically imposing. This isn't a Thanos who is, and it's, Thanos isn't even because of like any sort of magic. He's just physically strong in the same way that, and not more than physically, like his his, his actual like constitution and fortitude is of a much higher caliber than your average mortal. Same thing in. Guardians 1, uh, Ronan is such a powerful force of being, not inherently magical, at least like in the way of like doing magic, mm-hmm. right? But like he is not made of the stuff of mere mortals, right? That doesn't really seem to be, from a physical standpoint, the case with the high evolutionary, because once they get past that point of power, it's like they really whip his ass pretty good. Yeah. Um, I I think it's just his thing is his his intellect, and he has developed something that allows him to manipulate, you know, the world around him in a useful but ultimately kind of trivial way, mm-hmm. right? So like he's not really super powerful. It's just he has something a, a bit more than everyone else in a way that's 
useful to him, but is, isn't really special, which is why ultimately they're able to, to blow right by that when, when the time comes. Yeah. All right. I have a, I have one final note, a, 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 a joke I made. I whispered to myself when it happened, chuckled and then moved on uh, while I was watching the movie. And that's one of those creatures on the ship or like they they were from the second movie from the beginning of the second movie as soon as they arrived I went arbulary batteries and <laughs> yes and I was just like I I love that I love that scene I know it's we're talking that's the second movie I love that scene so much that's not what I said <laughs> <laughs> they're called um, arbulary batteries <laughs> no they're not, they're not. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, having the Sovereign as part of it made sense. It was nice to see that storyline tied off, um, and, and kind of, like, why it matters in the grand scheme of things. Um, beyond that, though, I mean, obviously this is so much informed by the the stories that came before it, but in a lot of ways it's its own thing. I mean, they'd go to that whole, like, facility with the... Uh, and, you know, we got kind of like a caper sort of thing. And then it got really dark where I was like, oh, shit. Like we saw from the trailer, there was Quill crying over someone on a medical table. And you suspect it's Rocket, but you can make an argument. It could have been Drax or technically mm-hmm. could have been anyone. But really, you're probably narrowed down to those two. And when Nathan Fillion starts shooting the shit out of Drax, I was like, oh, fuck, maybe it's. Maybe it's gonna be him. Like you know, the yeah. whole rocket thing's a fake out. He's gonna be okay, and we know that Dave Batista wants out of this. Like, is it is it Drax? And then Mantis gets shot. I was like, oh, is it Mantis? And then Nebula's aspirating blood at, like into her lungs. It's like, oh my god, this is super dark here. The end and of the Guardians. Yeah, it's like, oh, this is only like halfway through. Like, this is this could get ugly real quick. But I like that that whole story... They like, all yeah. get killed, and it immediately cuts to black, and it says, the Guardians will not return. <laughs> oh, <geez. laughs> oh, I, I liked that that... We can only really appreciate the light of this movie when we get the darkest of darks, which mm-hmm. is like that... That sequence really highlights that. But I liked that that was kind of its own storyline thing. Like it was in service of the plot and, and there's, there's some important character moments and all that, but we get to just have that thing stand alone. Like whether it be for the movie or for the, the galaxy, like that facility, we never heard anything about it. We never knew anything about it. And they have this whole world that they created within it that allowed us to, to do all this stuff. And it was kind of a new sandbox to play in there. Mm-hmm. And I appreciated that. Plus it gave us some hijinks like Mantis accidentally ejecting their suits no, out into silly. Outer space and just whatever the fuck the security was wearing because those outfits were oh my god yeah the giant orb, like giant organic outfits and the, the, his whole thing of like constantly talking shit about his like recruit yeah I, I got like, one of those too like, while those he's, yeah <laughs> that was I felt funny. so relatable that, that, when he's yes. like I, I got one of those too everybody felt that everybody's everyone like, <laughs> I have felt that right there uh, one thing I the, wanted to quickly. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, no, no. You first. I wanted to quickly talk about uh, Nebula and Rocket, mm. just because I feel like the relationship in this one was a lot more stronger. And when I dug into it a little bit more, I realized that, like, yeah, you know, it, it does stand alone with the three movies, but without like, if any more an Endgame, you don't realize that like they were just them two 
as the Guardians for five years. Well, it, it even started with two, right? Because like technically Rocket was like guarding her mm-hmm. and then she breaks out and she like betrays him. And then, yeah, like at, that's like kind of the last time they interact before the end of two, where like anyone can put bygones apart for two seconds while they're trying to escape a cataclysmic event. Yeah. And then, yeah, you spend five years where the world's ended and the two of you have to work in close proximity like it, it changes you and your perspectives, right? Yeah, it is I, an interesting relationship. I hundred percent agree. You know, like I, I didn't realize it because I was watching it. It was like when you just hear Nebula like, "How's Rocket?" She's like super worried, and they're nowhere close. Mm-hmm. They're like, "Trash, you're supposed to be on the ship. Why are you not on the ship?" Yeah. And it, I don't know. I related to it a lot. It was pretty cool. Uh, yeah, and that- especially the, the the scene where where Quill tells them that he's okay, and she breaks and she's crying while they're in that prison holding cell on the the bottom of the ship that's so uh, that, it's so awesome that they that they like let that all of that happen and like you know it's kind of off to the side but it is it's like very important and because it's like she definitely can relate you know to what you were saying like they they were together for a very long time just the two of them but like also they were both ripped apart and put back together over and over again. Like that concept, yeah. right? Like they are, they, they are the only two people that do know what the other one has gone through. Right. Like Nebula is so far removed from being whatever being that she was because she's been like replaced. Like ha- at what point, like what it's, you know, <laughs> ship of Theseus, right? Like it, it's still a person. Like it, like she's been replaced with so many augmented pieces of technology. Like, What's it's left? Your, it's, it's your eyes. Yeah. yeah. My father plucked them out. Of <laughs> yeah, but That's... he chose really, really pretty ones. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no. <laughs> She's like very, very much Roy Kented in that scene. Yes. <laughs> She's like, no. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I also, I liked her upgrade to her arm. Like, we, we didn't really have to talk about it too much, but was nice well two things one it was obviously useful but two it is kind of taking the power back right where like he was like oh you didn't see that she was gonna like faint right and then stab left okay i'll just yank your eyes out and give you better ones and it's like everything was thinly veiled with we're making you a better version of nebula but really it was about torturing her Mm -hmm. and this is the first thing that she got to really choose to do and she gives herself a badass fucking arm that yeah. can like hack and attack and all that sort of shit like i i appreciate like like what that says about her is like okay like she could see the utility in making these changes but doing it for the right reasons matters it reminded me of the terminal 2 arm yeah yeah it's pretty similar to the uh the, the t-1000 or whatever <laughs> for sure any other any other thoughts Closing thoughts on this one. Um, I I know we talked about it a bit before, like like just kind of like watching the new versions of this this relationship and everything. But I, I one of the things that really stuck out to me was we were, I think you were mentioning like how much like like Peter and Rocket like were at each other's throat and all of the, like the, how much they fought in like in the other movies, especially I, I view it really in two that line where Peter gives him he's like you know if you're trying to get everyone to hate you. You're doing a pretty good job of it. And like, that's how they sign off and they don't talk again until the end of the movie. But after rocket gets, you know, blown up and he's on the, the, 
the bed. I forget at what point Quill says it, but he's like, my best friends die. Yeah. And it's like, you know, we've seen them have this love-hate relationship, but, you know, one wonders if anyone other than Groot can be friends with Rocket. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, he does say at the end of two, it's, it's probably the one of the most affecting scenes to me uh, in, in two when he leaves Quill and Yondu behind and Gamora gets back onto the ship. Drax had already barely saved Mantis and Nebula and, and Gamora are on there and, and Rocket tases her and says, I already lost enough friends today. I'm not losing you too. Um, yeah. It's followed up by like, you know, Drax sc- screaming, you know, where's Quill? Another thing you just wouldn't expect from that character, right? Like that, yep. that moment really distills down so many of those things. And it's like, he says, I've already lost enough friends today. Like a soup. And then to, to, when the last time they spoke, you know, he's basically like, why are you such a piece of shit? And now to get to this point where Quill, like he's not performing for anyone. My best friend, they, they had five years robbed from them where Rocket and Nebula exist and the rest of them don't exist because of the yeah. snap. And to hear Quill say, that, I don't know, just that evolution. I've really found powerful, like yeah. know, how they talk about all that stuff where we didn't always see it because they, you know, they, they kind of love to hate each other. Uh, but to know that when the chips are down, that, that this is what really matters to all of them. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's so important. The family they chose. Yeah. Another really cool, important scene was when it was just Drax, Mantis, and Nebula. And they just like getting through those doors. They're getting up into space and need the oxygen. And after the dust settles, they realize there's a bunch of kids in there. And you save them. The three of them just were phenomenal in that little arc where Nebula's just cursing out Drax. She's like, you're just stupid. <laughs> Mantis is defending him. And now nowhere, Draxter starts speaking whatever the language with these little kids. Doing his little dance and all yeah. like that. That was great. Yeah. It's like, you didn't ask. But yeah. I love how Mantis defended him. As much as they hate, and hate's not probably a strong word, but just like bag on they each They bicker like time. siblings. That, yeah. yeah. It's really that's, clear there. Yeah. That's cool. And I, I, I really appreciated the final... I mean, I remember when the song started, I was like, is this... Because I hadn't heard the song in a long time. And I was like, I really love closing the whole sequence out with the Florence and the Machine song. Um, and it's it That's one of those ones that's really, like, perfect for, like, like plot and theme. Like, the, you know, the dog days are over. Yeah. And them all dancing. And when you consider... It's one of Drax's best lines and one of Dave Batista's best line deliveries from the second one, where he he's... It's telling Quill why it's never going to work between Quill and Gamora. He says, there are people in this galaxy that dance, and there's those that don't dance. My wife, the most pleasing melody, could be playing. She wouldn't move a muscle. <laughs> she wouldn't even tap a toe. Uh, he's like, so what are, he's just like, the way, like, like, what did he say? Like the way, like, like my nether regions engorged or something yeah. like that. And and Quill's like, oh my god, it's disgusting. And then to see him start dancing to the song, yeah. like after it looks like he's just gonna sit there like stock still. I don't know, like that. I just thought that that was such like a sweet moment. Is like they're all they're all dancing, they're having a good time, or whatever. And to see him finally crack and do that, it's like so that's good. The last image you're gonna get of him in this this storyline. I, I don't know. I, I appreciated that. Yeah touching very cool well 
This has been a lot of fun, and that is all for this week's episode of Flicks in the Six. We hope you enjoyed it. As always, if you have a movie for us to review or nuggets for us to discuss, you can send those requests to flicksinthesix at thespintune.com. Tune in next week for more movie and beer goodness. Until then, I'm Anthony Costanzo. I'm Albie Olsey. And I'm Nelson Singh. Thanks for coming out. Yeah.